And now, introducing the man who got a haircut this week, and unfortunately, we now have to see more of his face. The man who threw a temper tantrum when he saw the snow this morning because of his horseback riding lesson he knew would be canceled tonight. And the man who flipped off a minimum of seven people while driving here this morning for driving too slow. He is Glenn Clark. It's all right. It's all right. It's it's it's, it's the been, first time with the new been, system. It's been a few. Well, you've used the board before. Got, got, I, that's got, not well, that's got, not on the system. I, I got, I'm trying. To, I'm trying to fade this out, and that's the big thing that's the change for me is is fading this out on you here. Gotta, you got to remember so that you still need to have the microphone. So I, I I did it. So here we go. Here we are. <laughs> here we are. I got to unmute Paul over is, there too. This is quite the. Con- it's very conscious. No, no, no. It's everything's this is, fine. This is going to be good. This is going to be good. Everything's fine. Look, I fine. Everything's. I guarantee you, this is going to go very well. Calm down. Everything, everything is fine. I guarantee you, this <laughs> is going to be this is going to be better than the first I, time you, I ever produced. I, I, I I'm sure you. that's true. <laughs> I'm sure, that's true. Just you're getting you're get, you're being defensive. You don't need to be defensive. I, 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 am, I am defensive. I'm a defensive everything guy. Everything is fine. All right, Omar Vizquel. I'm a defense. Whoa, settle down. Over I don't know if I like that comparison. It's a hell of a defender. Not all of Famer though. Uh, not as of right now. There's no doubt about that. No. I, Hi, good morning, uh, Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. Uh, that's Zach, who's going to attempt to produce today's show. <laughs> attempt, see, yeah. We're going to see how that goes, and if it's not going well, then we're just going to pick him up literally by the back of his neck, and we're going to throw him out there. I'm going to enjoy that. It's going to be yeah. a, a very much a, a Tom and Jerry situation, the way that that's going to work out. Oh, no, what is that? What is it where they, they pick him up and throw him out of the house? What cartoon was that? Oh, I thought you were talking about Fresh Prince. No, Fresh Prince was a different thing. They threw him out more like this. There was a, one of the, In one of the cartoons, they would pick him up literally by their neck, and throw them out of the house every time they got into the house and they weren't supposed to be Pretty in the sure house. that was Tom and Jerry, It was Tom right? and Jerry, yeah. right? I was right yeah. about that. Tom and Jerry. Yeah. But was it the cat or was it the great dog? I don't remember. It was the dog. <laughs> it, was the it was the dog. dog. It was the dog. Um, so we're going to... We're, we're Zach is, of course, uh, with uh, Paul every Saturday for the bat around, and so he's we have a new uh, system that we use, so he needed to learn it, so that's why he's been in here this week, and he is, quote-unquote, producing today's show because of that. Um, coming up on the program today, we have uh, more Raven Steelers that we're going to do. Obviously, t- Sunday is the game. And then after that, we go into the really fun part of the year in, in sports re- media, which is nothing. <laughs> there is nothing. We have no football. The college basketball team around here that people care about is irrelevant, and there there may or may not even be a baseball season, even if there is, the baseball team's not going to be good. So... Fun. Correct. Fun. Did you remember to bring down... So I, I brought it down, but I got a text that said the music yeah. was still on. But I, I I thought you said to bring it back up. After, if the, I, mu- after the music's over. You oh, make was sure it not over? Oh, okay. Yeah, you got to okay, make gotcha. sure. Like, you so I, go I, I just brought it down now. So I think we're good. I All think right. we're good. Right. Hopefully gotta, people can hear us. You got to make sure, though, mm-hmm. that it's back. For, for break yeah. one, yes. Yeah. Got it. Got Here's, it. Got it. We're working. It's going gonna, gonna to be a painful first show, but we'll, you know... By by the bat around tomorrow, I promise you. Painful. I promise you. By the bat around tomorrow, it will it will go fine. Stick right. It'll we, be good for my show. We're, right. we're, <laughs> also, we're also we need to bring all the the gain on all three mics needs to come back a little okay. bit. We okay. are a bit over modulated. Okay. That's not that's not unique to you. We've, we've done that a little bit too much of late and mm, as a Paul, whole. Paul. We all need to be we all need to be brought back just a little bit. Um. Anyway, so. So, yes, we're working through all that stuff. Raven Steelers coming up. Ian Eagle will join us at 1040. He's on the call for Sunday's game for CBS. Also coming up a little bit later on this morning, we are going to chat with Charlie Batch. We're chatting with Charlie Batch about Raven Steelers, of course, because he's a Steelers analyst and a host on their radio network and, of course, a former Steelers quarterback. So we'll do that, but we'll also 
be chatting with him about this thing where he's trying to get Caleb Williams to transfer to Eastern Michigan and is offering to pay him a million dollars from this new company he works with in order to do it. What a time. What a time to be alive. We'll talk about all that with Charlie Batch. And then later on in the show, speaking of college football, we will preview the college football playoff national championship game. Uh, our buddy uh, Senator Justin Reedy, Senator's suggestions. Obviously, there's only one game to discuss Monday night, Georgia-Alabama. We will talk about that. So that's what's coming up on the program today. Yes, Paul? So he's going to pay a student a million dollars. He's offering. He's, he, he's offering. I feel like there should be a line that you're not Why? allowed to cross Why? with this. Why do you feel that way? Why? I, I mean, why, it, why would that be the line? That is legal, right? It is legal. Okay, but well, uh, there's there's gray area about the the word was nil deals were not supposed to be contingent upon mm-hmm. where someone transfers. The idea being in the language, the way that you share it, you can make it so that well, it's not contingent upon it. We're just saying if you do, then we'd be willing to pay you that amount of money. In the language, what he's saying is we're not telling you. You'll only get this. We're just saying if you happen to choose Eastern Michigan, then we will. So it's sort of trying to cutely find a way around what the rule... The rule is supposed to be you're not supposed to be able to use NIL to try to lure someone to a particular school. But that's nonsense. Like, it's just... It's a nonsensical rule. The rule is... is, is a, a poppycock. It, it means nothing. We all know the different schools will have different abilities in order to, to have partners, companies that will pay money to different people. Alabama is going to have more options NIL-wise than typically Eastern Michigan would. So it's nonsense that we've written this thing in. We're like, well, the NIL money isn't supposed to be contingent upon where someone goes to school. Well, if the company wants somebody who goes to Miami, then they're going to get somebody who goes to Miami. They're not going to say, hey, no matter where you go, we're going to pay you NIL money. They're going to say, we're going to pay an eye on money to people that are in Miami because our company's based in Miami, and that's who we want to support. So the rule was written a certain way that you have to maneuver around it, but the rule is also nonsense. So, you know, it, it's kind of a what it is. I, I just, just don't, feel like you shouldn't be able to make NIL money until you're actually at a particular university. I don't feel like you should be able to be you should be able to be paid the money to go to that university and then make more money on top of it. But why why does it make a difference if you're offered the money before you go to the university or after you get there? Well, because like you just said, it could sway somebody if somebody wants to go to Alabama and end up going to East. If if Kentucky basketball has like a literal mansion that the players are allowed to live in that nobody else on campus is allowed to live in, and you instead want to go to UMBC and UMBC says, "Great, you get to live in the Chesapeake dorm." How, it, what what is the difference? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, to me, it seems like you're buying free agents. That's kind of what it feels yes, like. Yes, correct. I, I, I think that's kind of weird. They're adults. Much. That's the way that it works. Uh, it, it's just right. it feels like there should be a difference. Zach, if you get you a better do. job offer, are you going to go work there? Yeah, sure. Okay, done. But, but, End but of story. I, but we're talking about these aren't twelve year olds. Amateur that we're sport about. versus pro sport. But it's nonsense. It ain't amateur. Well, There's yeah, billions but technically, upon billions of dollars involved. Nothing about this is amateur. It's just some nonsense thing that we said for a long time because we weren't willing to admit the fact. The fact is, these are professionals. Yeah, they're, they're, everybody you're, you're is getting wrong. rich here. Yeah, there yeah. are millions of millions upon millions of dollars that are being spent on coaches and administrators yes. and people that just want to profit off of bowl games and the NCAA tournament and the notion that the the athletes are the ones that well yeah but they they shouldn't be able to take advantage <laughs> of it is insane it's nuts 
The tweet that Charlie Batch sent. Hey, Caleb Williams, have you considered Eastern Michigan? If not, you should. Game Above Capital is prepared to pay you $1 million for one year. Are you ready to be an eagle? Presumably that means that Caleb Williams, we all know, had a very successful uh, season after he came in replacing Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. He looked very good. D.C. kid, once upon a time, was involved. Maryland was pursuing Caleb Williams. Um but he, you know, there's a coaching change at Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley's going to USC. The thought is he's probably going to follow Lincoln Riley there, but uh, maybe he'll end up choosing to stay at Oklahoma. He did say when he announced he was moving to the transfer portal that he would still consider Oklahoma. It wasn't one of those things where he was like, I, there's no way I'm coming back. He was just saying, look, I, I, the coach left, and if the coach leaves, I should have the option to leave too, which I think everybody on the planet understands why that makes sense. So if you're... Game above capital, and I don't... By the way, this is the first time I've ever mentioned them. They just got free advertising on this show by doing this. <laughs> Why not do something like we'll this? We'll have a banner ad for them Char- next yeah, week. Yeah, no, <laughs> well, they, they want to spend money. Uh, Charlie Batch is apparently connected to them in some way. He went to Eastern Michigan. This is an opportunity to make a splash. This is an opportunity for you to get attention. And... in. And why wouldn't you do that? Now, for the what it's worth, I think Caleb Williams is going to have no problem getting NIL money. He's one of the most prominent com- college football players there will be coming into next season. He and uh, C.J. Stroud at, o- at um, Ohio State, and of course Bryce Young will still be at Alabama, will be the most prominent college football players in the country. There will be no shortage of people that will be willing to pay him NIL money wherever he ends up going to school, whether it's Oklahoma, USC, Eastern Michigan, Probably won't be Maryland, but hell, let's just throw it out. Towson, whatever it is, there's going to be plenty of people that are willing to pay him NIL money. Why does it matter if they offer it now or offer it after he commits? What is the difference? Well, <laughs> I get what you're saying, and it's it's a very valid point. I just, I don't know, I guess because I, I, I'm looking at it as a fan of Maryland, and if I want this five-star player to come to Maryland, and then somebody comes out of the Warwick and says, hey, well, I'm going to give you a million dollars to not go there, but to come here, and then they end up going there, I'm going to be pissed. And so it's, it's really just my fandom that's... that's I mean, then, then you're, get you're better right. boosters at Maryland. I don't yeah. know what to tell you, man. Get better. No, you're, you're right. I'm just It's just sour grapes on my end. All right. Well, I mean, it's what it is. Eastern, if Eastern Michigan can pay a kid a million dollars, I would like to hope there's someone connected to Maryland that would... Uh, Maryland is quarterback is not their priority, obviously, going into next year. So that's not something they would be. Uh, not that I wouldn't be interested in Caleb Williams. Don't get me wrong; he's very good, but it's just not their priority. They wouldn't be involved with this particular kid, likely at this point, because they're not going to recruit over a kid that they had to recruit to get there. Um, I, 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 we'll talk to Charlie Batch about it. It's, it's certainly, it's certainly, a, and I think the real problem is it's shocking because we just we're not used to it yet, and so when we respond, we're like, well. Th- it's, it's not supposed to be like this. Well, why not? I, 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 I don't know. Just because it hasn't been before is the only answer. Well, so we, we can all agree that minor league baseball players are, are vastly yes. underpaid. I, that, I disagree with vastly. There are some minor league baseball players. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut this twofold. There are some minor league baseball players that are working below living wage. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't be okay. Right. It shouldn't be. In any world, it shouldn't be okay. So those particular players, 100%, you, you should not employ someone. You shouldn't be employing someone if the terms of their employment are they have to live below a living wage. That should never exist. Right. But the majority of minor league baseball players don't fall in, find themselves in that category. It's, a, it's the lower-level guys... 
that are part of the minor leagues. It's the, the and I'm trying to say this, the owners of some of those teams certainly have the money, but the profit margin of those teams does not exist. Right. And it's a bigger problem that exists with minor league baseball, where we're now saying, well, the major league team should be the one propping up those minor league teams. It shouldn't be the owner of that minor league team that should have to pay the money. It should be the owner of the major league team that's using the minor league system in order to create the talent. Right. Well, we already saw what happened when that was challenged. They said, all right, well, we need to have less minor league teams. And everybody got mad about that and said, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a second. We don't like that. That's, that's, that hurts the Frederick community. We're telling you we're not going to have it both ways. The, we don't need 28-year-old career minor league baseball players. Yeah. That's not the make or break for whether or not the Washington Nationals are going to be successful in the future. We're telling you this system does not – got to figure out something because the system as a whole doesn't work. And it's an awkward conversation because romantically, yes, I want there to be minor league baseball. I want every town – I, I know what it's like to go to a game in Aberdeen and go to a game in Frederick and what it does for those communities. Romantically, I want it. But we also, we're asking for almost a utopian society at this point. Like, we want everything to be a certain way and never have to answer for it. I'm not a, um, this is maybe the libertarian in me coming out, right? Like, this is when we have these conversations. It does need to make sense. And at some point, as awkward as it is, you need to say, I don't know that it makes sense that we continue to spend money on 29-year-old baseball players. Yeah. Like, it, it's just not necessarily a sensical business model at some point. Right. I still agree, on the whole, that if you are employing someone, they should have a living wage. Like, that, that we're never going to disagree about. But there is an argument in there that if you're not really a baseball player, if you're just someone who's filling out a minor league roster, do you work two jobs? I do, yeah. I think we need to have a conversation about that, right? Like, there are plenty of people that to pursue a dream have to work another job. I'm not trying, this isn't a bootstraps thing. This isn't me, you know, I'm not trying to be an Uber con or something like that at this moment. But when we talk about this, we talk about it in romantic ways. And I get it because we have romantic feelings about baseball and we have romantic feelings about minor league baseball. But for a certain percentage of these players, we know what the story is. They're not really baseball players. Yeah, if you're 28, 29 years old and you're still playing at best double A, you're probably not you're not playing in the big leagues. Like right. you, you should probably give it up. But my, And a lot of these guys are nothing more than roster fillers. Right. Like and, like and a Spencer Watkins. And, and and I you know, God bless them. I'm not trying to I I'm even talking something less than that. I'm talking about guys that played high school ball, maybe played college ball, got drafted, but we all know there's they're not major league baseball players. Right. And Every now and then there's a story of one of them that becomes a Major League Baseball player that's like, yeah, but you might find this diamond in the rough. Right, you might. But overwhelmingly, we know these, aren't, these are just guys that want to continue pursuing a dream. Right. They've played baseball since they were six. So they want to keep pursuing it, even though it's abundantly clear it's a dead end. Right. There's nothing coming for that. Well, and there is a part of me that says, those are the type of people that have to work two jobs. Like That's the reality of it. You want to keep pursuing your baseball dream, God bless... But economically, I'm not sure it actually makes sense because I know what the revenue is for some of these minor league teams. They can't pay more money to players. They can't do it. The idea that the major league teams should pay it, I hear you. I hear you. But they would be, the moment they have to, they're going to say, we don't need this many players in our system. Mm -hmm. That we know in our system, there's 60 players that matter. 
at tops, tops, there's 60 players, right? And the rest of them don't matter to us. So if you're telling us we got to foot the bill, we're telling you we're going to stop doing it. We're going to tell you, you think we already cut it down once? We're going to go ahead and cut it down again. Like, there won't be four levels to minor league baseball. When we've got to foot the bill, we're going to tell you there might be two. Well, so my, my point is, though, that if you're in the minor leagues, you're not going to make the same money that you're making if you're in the major leagues, right? So Unless, when, when, unless obviously, you have a— Unless you know, you're like Adley Rutschman, you get an $8 million signing bonus, correct. right? Um, so, my, so the question is, why even have college athletics anymore? Why not make college athletics Alabama and LSU and USC— no, in football, my, my, they're going to do that. My, minor, just minor league teams and stop worrying about what these guys' grades are and making them academically ineligible because you're paying them. Well, I don't all know this. that anybody is academically ineligible anymore. Yeah, I'm I pretty mean, sure they've gotten rid of that for the most part. Uh, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I felt like it's No, they, happened, they just but, cover, They just make sure you don't end up being academically ineligible. They just, but, like, th- that's a sham. You know what I mean? Like, we all know that's a sham. So then let's stop calling it college football and let's just call it minor league football well that's what it is but i, I don't know why it, it's window dressing at this point right mm-hmm. like the association with the college is still important because there's a built-in fan base and a built-in group of yeah. people that are willing to pay for it whereas if you took alabama football and you called them instead the tuscaloosa tide it would still be close of enough of a, of a relationship that it would probably still galvanize the community. But you have a built-in fan base that would go see it, whereas when you watch the XFL, no, they're going to do the USFL, USFL this spring. No one is going to care. No one's going to watch the games. No one's going to go to the games. It will be utterly irrelevant. But college football, which is minor league football, that's the way it works. The NFL has said, we don't need a minor league system. We've got one. We've got college football. We use that as our minor league system. We let them develop the players for us, then we take them in. They have a built-in fan base at each school. It's everybody who goes or went to the school is a built-in fan, no matter what, of that program. Mm. So they're never going to change that. The system works. It's, it's profitable because of it. The system works for every – college football worked for everybody involved except the players. They were the only people that it didn't work for because they couldn't profit off of it. Everybody else could profit off of it. The NFL could have a feeder system – Instead of having to have a minor league system, they had their own minor league system in college football, so it worked. Now the players are being allowed to profit off of it, so it works for everybody. So what's the problem? No problem. I mean, I, I mean, this is <laughs> no, I, like, no problem. Honestly, you're right. I'm just being a stick in the mud because it's the way it's always been done, and I'm not used to it. It's truthfully, it's the best thing. I, the, when something is so drastically different. There's this assumption that it's bad. In this case, it's a great thing. It's a great thing that the players now have essentially free agency because they're adults, and we all as adults have free agency. You can get an offer tomorrow from an XM radio and say, I'm gone. Sorry, Glenn. Double double middle (laughs) finger. But if you're that good, you can. Double middle fingers, I'm out. The only people that we weren't allowing to do that were college athletes. We said, well, you got to be locked in you got to be locked in, and, and you can't. Well, what if I'm more valuable somewhere else? Yep, sorry. Can't. You said you wanted to come here. It's the way it goes. It's insane. It's an insane system that we had set up that is being fixed. The system is being fixed. This is what it should be. It should be that if Caleb Williams is worth a million bucks, he should be able to make a million bucks. 
But Why not? Wouldn't it be smarter for Caleb Williams for his future and the amount of money he can make in the future to I'm, go I'd to be, a bigger I'd, school? Trust me, I'd be stunned if he goes to Eastern Michigan. Right, that's no, what I'm saying. No question. If he I don't takes think that there's million any dollar offer. Sure, you're getting a million dollars now, but you could have a you know. Yeah, but this if you go to Alabama and they develop you into the best quarterback that's come right, out of the draft it, it in won't 15 be, years. They've, they've got a quarterback at Alabama. He won't oh, be going okay. to Alabama. So it's just right. an example, but there's there's plenty of teams that he could go to that could turn him into a top quality NFL prospect where Eastern Michigan may not turn him into a top quality prospect. The argument is if you're that good, it's going to work. You know, Ben Roethlisberger played in the how'd it work out for him yeah pretty good you know like it, <laughs> it was good. it was fine right the argument and this is the same thing that they said about the kid that went to jackson state that had the barstool deal yes yeah the argument is if you're that talented it really isn't going to matter that 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 it's a, it becomes essentially a straw man argument right could you be benefited by going up against you know better talent or having people around you sure but for like that kid you're also working with a hall of fame cornerback every day yeah. so like you know might not be a bad person to learn from. You know what I mean? I, I don't know what this. I don't even know who the coach is at Eastern Michigan. I couldn't tell you if no any. Idea. <laughs> I, I I know next to not. I couldn't tell you, frankly, any. I they're the Eagles, and I only know that from reading the tweet. I didn't know that they're, they're, they're the Eagles. That's the and Charlie Batch went there. That's the list of things I can tell you about Eastern Michigan University. I think Chris Hoyles maybe went to Eastern Michigan. Check that for me. I think Chris. I feel Hoyles, like that's something Paul would know. I'm pretty Paul's sure Paul's a big Chris Hoyles guy. I'm pretty sure Chris Hoyles was an Eastern Michigan maybe. guy, and maybe. if not, it was another. There was an Oriole who was an Eastern Michigan guy, and for some reason, I think it was Chris Hoyles. But we could find out that it was somebody else. We'll uh, we'll get our crack team on that. <laughs> um, uh, but the moral of the story being, I, I don't. It was Chris Hoyles. Damn wow. right it was. Wow. Damn right wow. it was. I did not know that. I didn't Two know that either. things I... that I know about Eastern Michigan. Suck it. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Eastern Michigan over here. Yeah. Dr. Eastern Michigan over in these parts. That's what they call me. Um Look, man, I don't think there's a chance in hell that Caleb... We, boy, this really worked. This Charlie Badge got exactly what he wanted out of this. We have spent way too much time talking about this topic. Chris on. Creighton is the head football coach. Ah, I love Chris. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Creighton's son. That's, I don't know anything about Chris Creighton. Creighton, Creighton, <laughs> C-R-E-I-G-H-T-O-N. Uh, the school is Creighton, so I'll go with that. Um, I don't think Caleb Williams is going to go to Eastern Michigan, but there is absolutely no reason why if if if, if it's... You know, he can make a million dollars a lot of places. Yeah, if if Eastern Michigan says we're going all in, we're getting all of our boosters together. Everybody that's ever been related, we this is the one thing we ever care about, and they offer him ten. Why not? You're Caleb Williams. You have no idea. You think you're going to make a boatload of money in the NFL, but you don't know that. You could get hurt next week and it could all be gone. Why not take the ten million dollars and go play at Eastern Michigan? Why not? I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think there's ten million dollars worth of NIL money to be pooled at Eastern Michigan, but. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with anyone making that type of decision in their life. All right, so there's that portion of the program. I don't exactly know how it happened, but it did. It occurred. Today's show is brought to you by Live Casino and Hotel. Sports fans, the wait is over. Live Casino and Hotel is now open in Hanover, Maryland. Bet on all the games with self-service kiosks. As I say, if you're going to be embarrassed by telling another human being this Sunday, <clears throat> I'd, like to, I'd like to bet on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you don't want anybody to know that? No problem. You don't have to talk to another human being when you go put your bets in at Live Casino and Hotel. Watch all the action from the best seat in the house. Uh, we have spent all week talking about the Ben Roethlisberger stuff. I don't have anything more to say about it, guys. Just honestly, I've, I've said everything there is to be said. We'll see what happens on Sunday. Um, I appreciate the fact that the former Ravens players have come on this week and have been fired up about no, hell no. Is it Daily's time? I said, hell no, you don't do it. But Kadri Ishmael booed the shit out of him. I appreciate all of that. I honestly, there's something about it. It's a very, it's the, the nature of the rivalry that it's still in their blood. I greatly appreciate that. I am not nearly as passionate about it myself. I kind of don't care. 
Now, I, I say I don't care. As I said yesterday, I care in context of, like, this is what's going on this week, and so it's what we've been talking about. But it's not going to change my day whether or not the Ravens put up a, a video of any sort. If the Ravens said, we're not doing any of it on Sunday, okay? I'm going to have no opinion about that come Monday morning. I, I agree with Adelius Thomas, where they're going to put up a video of him getting sacked, picked off by every Raven there, you know, every every great Raven. I'm sure there'll be Ray Lewis highlights in there, you know, Terrell Suggs, whatever it is. And then they'll they'll say, you know, thank you for the rivalry, that kind of thing. People are going to boo him. And then at the end of the game, they'll probably go well, a little bit. Adelius, like his point was don't do any of that. Don't do it while the game's going on. Wait till the end of the game if you're going to do any That's of that fair. stuff. Yeah. And, and I, don't, I just don't, none, I don't, I don't care about when you might do it, when you don't do it. I think it's interesting. I've said all along, I think there's going to be so many Steelers fans at the stadium on Sunday that if you do it, it's going to look almost like Ravens fans were giving him a standing ovation when the truth is it's because there were 20 to 30, 30 maybe you know, 30-ish thousand Steelers fans that got into the game. Maybe Greg Gumbel knew that all along. <laughs> yeah, right? It might have been. He knew that the, Raven, the game wasn't going to matter for the Ravens, so all the Ravens fans are going to sell their tickets. Maybe that's true. Um, it's just I'm not all that. I, I, we've we've had all those conversations. I don't need to have more of those conversations at this point. I was it was brought up to me yesterday by, hang on, uh, whoever a listener. It was brought up to me. Hey, have you thought at all about which Ravens might be playing their final game on Sunday? And it's broad because it's which Ravens might be retiring, which Ravens just might not be Ravens any longer. For example, Patrick Ricard, who's a pending free agent, isn't going to play now on Sunday. So he won't be playing in his final game as a Raven because if he's gone, he's already played in his final game as a Raven. Uh, nice to the Ravens on top of everything else. I, I get it. The game doesn't really matter, so it's hard to be worked up about it. But, like, on top of everything else, to lose Pat Ricard and Nick Boyle again. Cool. Just super cool. Lots of fun. Um, I, it's interesting that the Ravens, we have, we have criticized them for having drafted a fullback that didn't make the team a year ago. And and I've said that's fair in context. The context being it's a fifth-round pick. I mean, for God's sakes. This is why I don't think a team needs to have 10 picks going into a draft. You're not going to have 10 players make the team next year. It's not going to happen. It's why I would have been willing to, to trade picks. Well, the argument is that there were O-linemen drafted after that Ben Mason pick yeah. that ended up being contributors. The to idea the that, that there was any so, way to know that or that... No, there that wasn't, it, sure. It's a fifth-round pick. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if Pat Ricard gets hurt in training camp, Ben Mason might have had to be the team's fullback this season. Yeah. Like, in the, in the fifth round of a draft, you're not drafting for the assumption that this player is going to play this season. Something has gone wrong, or it was the most incredible, you know, miss of everybody else in the NFL of all time that a fifth round pick becomes an immediate impact player. Marcus Colston, obviously, is an example of a guy who was a late round pick that immediately it was, we all got this guy wrong. Everybody knew very quickly, but it's very rare that something like that happens. So I, you want to complain about Ben Mason? It's fine. Complain about Ben Mason. It's certainly, in hindsight, was not a good draft pick. But at the same time, you're talking about a fifth round pick. Like, this is not where you're hurt. You're hurt when you miss on a first-round pick. You're hurt when you miss on a second-round pick, even a third-round pick. Once you get past that, missing on a draft pick is is to be expected. That's the way that it works. But the point being, you, you wonder, I, and I don't, I'm just sort of wondering aloud, if the Ravens had already made their decision at that point. Like, look, we're just not spending money at fullback. It's just not something we're going to do. We We like... Pat Ricard, but let's be honest about this. He was a converted defensive lineman that we figured out a way to make work as a fullback. After we had figured out the way to make the last fullback work, we know how to find fullbacks. 
We're going to just find the next one, and we're going to decide we're not going to be a team that spends money on a fullback. Ever. And if that's the case, that's the case. I, do I think that this team, if they're coming back with Greg Roman next season and trying to be a dominant run team, would be better suited having Patrick Ricard? Probably. Probably the case. But if Patrick Ricard's got a real money offer out there somewhere, I am inclined to believe that the Baltimore Ravens can identify a fullback somewhere and make it work because that's what they do. The same way that I'm inclined to believe they can find guards, the same way that I'm inclined to believe they can find interior defensive linemen, they have an, a history of that being a strength for them. Other positions, maybe not so much. Wide receiver, hopefully that's changing. Hopefully Rashad Bateman is an example of that changing. We didn't think they could find a quarterback for a long time, and now all of a sudden they've they found two. Um, in the last 14 years. So, you know, God bless. I hope that they become a team that can find you know those positions moving forward. I have faith that if it's not Pat Ricard, they can find a fullback. Would I like Pat Ricard if, again, in the context of if they're coming back with Greg Roman and they're coming back with a dominant run offense, I want them to have a fullback that they can trust in that offense. So that's the first thing there. The second part about it is that's not the only one. <laughs> like... If, even if they're coming back with that, there's a Bradley Bozeman question. Even if they're coming back with that, there's there's other things they need to address. Calais Campbell. The Calais Campbell thing is interesting to me because he does certainly look like a player that's got something left. Mm-hmm. But at what price? Like, I would be. I, I would think he'd be willing to take a discount and that's to sort come of back. My, I have felt that way. Yeah. That. If Calais Campbell says, look, this is the end of it for me. I want to go back and try it one more time. I would like to hope that Calais Campbell would be a guy that will work with you. I said all along I think Marcus Peters is going to be a guy that's going to work with you. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to be able to get Marcus Peters down to a number that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just coming off an injury. I'm not Look, cornerbacks are still a premium in this league. And if you know there's a threat that you're going to be released, I still think that Marcus Peters in his camp says, well, I feel pretty good about the market. But I think if you're trying to find a reasonable number, just something that gives you a little bit of help in the process. My gut tells me Marcus Peters will probably work with you in order to get that number down. Um, the Jimmy Smith thing is interesting to me, right? And the reason why the Jimmy Smith thing is interesting is he's not saying he's retiring. He's talking like a player who's contemplating retirement. If he's not retiring, why wouldn't you bring back Jimmy Smith next season? Why hasn't he made the move to safety? Well, he's I, played safety, but, right, but but like like full time, like like what Rob Woodson did when maybe you can't cover the way you used to, but you're a big dude who can lay the wood. Why why hasn't he made a full time move to safety, or why hasn't anybody maybe they have approached him about it's, it? It seems like that would be a a, a natural move because for he, him. I mean, he could still cover. My my point Not would the be way he used to. I, I mean, maybe, but part of that you were saying is teams aren't are once upon a time they would refuse to throw in his direction and now they'll throw in his direction. We're talking about Jimmy Smith. He's not this isn't Kevon Seymour. He can still play. Yeah. You saw in 2020 when a lot of the corners went down as yeah. happened this year. Jimmy Smith was playing a lot at safety at the beginning of the year and then transferred more into corner Correct. because they needed corners there. I think I think it's more because the Ravens needed corners than yeah. than Jimmy Smith wasn't, you know, a safety. Like they, they I believe they wanted to make him a safety. I I I, I think that's what they wanted. Well, and they also they they frankly didn't have a need at safety. They had guys that could play yeah. for the most part. Yeah. They just didn't have a need there. 
Jimmy Smith has said all along, I, I'm going to be in Baltimore, I'm going to retire, which I've, I've made it very, like, people, when Eric Weddle did that, it just doesn't, it's a nice thing to say, but stop thinking that it means something, mm-hmm. unless it does, right? Like, maybe in his heart of hearts, that's really where he is. He either wants to play in Baltimore, or he just doesn't want to play any longer. But if Baltimore says no, he has every right to go play somewhere else, and the idea of holding that over him is nonsense. That's just, it's just trying someone trying to say something really nice about the community that they're in, and I appreciate that. Um, but there's just no world where it makes... If Jimmy Smith is interested in playing more, presumably it ain't for a number that's going to cost you all that much. And in what world, watch what happened this season, is it a bad idea to have more help in the secondary? Yeah, that's the way I, I feel. I just sort of don't get the Jimmy Smith conversation. like unless, Unless we've just all decided that the way that he's talking really is him kind of saying, I'm retiring. He just hasn't used the words. He hasn't said, I'm retiring. But it makes no sense to me that Jimmy Smith wouldn't be back with this team next season. Well, that's what he said. He, he said, if they if the Ravens come to me, I'll listen. So he I, has no idea. He, he basically has no idea whether he's going to retire. It's, it's whether the Ravens reach out. I, I, I don't think he'd play for another team. That'd be my guess. Yeah, I, I, That doesn't mean anything. And I'm not... I'm, no, that's fair. Like, maybe. I know maybe that's tr- Maybe that's true. But if the Ravens said to him, dude, we're moving on... And he just woke up one morning and said, yeah, I still think I can play. I kind of want to go back out and play. I'm going to say, okay, go do I it. I mean, look, if Jacksonville yeah. offers him $5 million, he might not take that. Yeah, but if another, if another right. team offers him maybe $5 million, then Maybe it was Denver. Obviously, hey, he's got connections you know, to Colorado. I mean, like, maybe he would say that's a, a place where he'd like to go play for yeah. a year. Um, so the Jimmy Smith one, I just, I just honestly don't – I don't get why the Ravens wouldn't bring Jimmy Smith back next season. I just don't think there's any world in which the number is so absurd that it wouldn't make sense to them cap-wise. I, like, I think it's – the Jimmy Smith number at this point would be a number that would make sense. So that's one of the ones that's on the list. The Bradley Bozeman one is certainly interesting, right, because he's had a very good season. He's played well. The Ravens have have an offensive line problem as a whole, but I don't know what the best way is to go about fixing it. Part of the problem is, it has to be fixed in part with Ronnie Stanley being Ronnie Stanley or at least something close to Ronnie Stanley again. You can't move on from Ronnie Stanley. It can't be done. It, there is way too much dead space there on the cap to move on from Ronnie Stanley. So Ronnie Stanley has to be part of the solution somehow. And if he is, well, then things can kind of fall in line. Either Juwan James can help or Patrick McCary has been a hell of a right tackle. If... Juwan James can help, and Patrick McCary can slide inside, well, then you've built, you know, if Ronnie Stanley's an answer again, and James an answer at right tackle, and McCary is an answer at guard, and presumably you're bringing Zeitler back, you got four-fifths of your offensive line figured out. And at that point, you might just say, we can run the risk of having to do something different at center and not paying big money for a center because we got the rest of our offensive line figured out. But there's still a lot of questions in there. Does Bradley Bozeman deserve to get paid a good amount of money by whoever it is that signs him? 100%. Are the Ravens in a position right now where they need offensive line help, and so it would hurt them to lose another offensive lineman? Probably. But I don't know that center is the unique problem for the Baltimore Ravens. Well, we've seen before in the past what happens when they build an entire offensive line without a really good center. I mean, we've seen that with Matt Skura. Yeah, we uh, we saw a bit that a bit, but we've all you know. Somebody would say that uh, Ryan Jensen was never supposed to be the answer at center, right? Worked they, out pretty well though, and it worked <laughs> out quite well, yeah. right? So maybe Tristan Colon Castillo really could be the answer at center moving maybe. forward. And when he's played, frankly, he's 
largely played well. It yes, hasn't been yeah. perfect. And some of the snaps were they, none of them were you know awful. This wasn't the Ascura situation last week, but some of the snaps were a little bit up here, or a little bit. They weren't perfect, and they'd have to work on that. But they might say to themselves, "We think we could play with Tristan Colon Castillo as our center, and then use that money elsewhere." And I get it. And it's a bummer because we all like Bradley Bozeman, and he and his wife have been wonderful. Um, you know, obviously, you guys know that if you listen to this show um, for some time, and we don't want to lose that in this community, but. He's going to get a bunch of money. He's going to be really well paid in free agency, and it just might be a situation where the Ravens say, we can't spend that money at center right now. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of, I've sort of made peace with it at this point. I hope that it changes. I hope there is room to spend that type of money because they've got a bigger offensive line problem as a whole, but they spent some money on Patrick McCary. They have a bunch of money invested in Ronnie Stanley. I, I have no idea. Part of the problem is having no clue what Jawan James is. I just have no idea what that is. When they signed him, it was the, like, I think everybody thought, they believed that he would be their right tackle next season. That you do the Alejandro Villanueva experiment for a year, and then it would be Jawan James. Okay, well, maybe it is, but I have no idea if he can be or not because we haven't seen him. How can we possibly? It's been so long since he's played. I don't know how comfortable I can be about that. Patrick McCarry's a hell of a backup plan at right tackle with the idea being that ideally he addresses, say, left guard next season. And you have a bunch of these players that are sitting around that maybe one of them could solve another problem for you or at worst is some depth. So that's sort of the list of guys that... I'm sure there's others that I'm not thinking of. That's sort of the list of the guys that headline the group of players that, that might be playing their final game for the Baltimore Ravens. Today's show is also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. When we come back in, Ian Eagle's going to join us. He's on the call Sunday for Raven Steelers on CBS. It's Glenn Clark Radio. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling.com. 
gamblinghelp.org. Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443-840-4700 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality Pro-Via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. If you miss anything, don't forget that you can find whole shows later on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon Podcast. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Today's show is also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio as we are getting ready for Ravens-Steelers coming up this Sunday what we assume will be the final game in the season for the Baltimore Ravens because they would need uh, a, a miraculous set of circumstances in order to still be playing uh, by the time we get around to next weekend. But it's what it is, and it's Ravens-Steelers, and it's, of course, Ben Roethlisberger's final game. And it's very pleasing to me because Ian Eagle and his crew are on the call for the game, Charles Davis or buddy Evan Washburn. And every time Ian Eagle does a Ravens game, he always goes out of his way to make time for us because he is a true friend and obviously a great broadcaster. And Ian Eagle's back with us now here on GCR. Ian, it's Glenn. It's always good to chat with you, my friend. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Glenn, it, it's hard to believe that it took until week 18, right. which right. is weird in and of itself to say week 18. I have to keep pounding that into my brain when we come on the air week 18 week 18 but this is it my my first and only raven game on television this season that's that's really uh, difficult to to comprehend i use the term we've been under iron eagled this season (laughs) um and i am i have requested and i reached out to a couple of friends that are in congress i requested a a congressional investigation into why it is that we've had so little of iron eagle this season yes my my wife has, has actually been, been in that situation. Better, oh, yeah, true. She, she experiences that for like, I guess, a basketball season and football season combined. What, like about no, nine months no, of the I, year? Yeah. No, no, I, I, I just met someone else. No, oh, we're good. oh, 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 damn. I even missed that. I'm, that's perfect, Ian. Well done, sir. Well done. Um, all right, well, it's great to chat with you, my friend. I always appreciate it. Obviously, this is an interesting game because this is Raven Steelers and Technically, they're both still alive for a playoff berth, but it seems quite unlikely because it would involve the Jacksonville Jaguars having to defeat the Indianapolis Colts. So from a broadcast standpoint, how how heavy are you guys going into the Ben Roethlisberger side of things versus the game itself and what you're preparing for on Sunday? Yeah, it's a combination, there's no doubt. Uh, this, uh, this isn't going to be a love letter to Ben Roethlisberger because... 
the situation calls for full coverage of a game that still has meaning. So there's a balancing act that will take place. Odds are it's Ben Roethlisberger's final game. But look, it's been a strange season. And in that strange season, there have been odd results. And I've figured out somewhere along the way to stop speculating and assuming that things are going to go a certain way. When uh, teams that you expect to win pop up in the loss column during meaningful weeks, meaningful games for playoff spots, for playoff seeding late in the season, it does bring home the point that the NFL this year has been wide open. So the idea that we can just write in Indianapolis, I professionally can't do that. So I know for our group, you know, our approach is cover the game. And if things go a certain way and that score keeps going the wrong direction for the Steelers and the Ravens, the, the game down in Jacksonville, well, that'll change our, sure. our approach. Sure. But to start the game, it's, it's Pittsburgh-Baltimore. It's Ben Roethlisberger's final game potentially. But there's still something to play for here, and, and there's still a playoff spot available. I, I and there has been some criticism. Uh, look, I, I think for the most part, what happened on Monday Night Football ended up being tremendous theater, right? Like that, you couldn't have asked for better theater. But there has been from from Evoke, and I'm sure you won't be surprised. That the Ravens fans are among them. There yeah. has been criticism of of kind of lionizing Ben Roethlisberger in a way, given you know his history and how that was kind of brushed over a little bit yep. during that broadcast. How do you guys handle? I mean, it's such a it's so difficult because it's a Hall of Fame quarterback that we're talking about and one of the great players of an era. But, you know, there's there's merit to the, you know, how how great of a human being has he been conversation. How how do you handle that when you're preparing for what presumably will be his final game of his career? Yeah, those those are Difficult situations. I think Monday Night Football made a decision that they were going to treat this as an event because it was in Pittsburgh and the love and reaction from fans and the buildup all week. It it permeated through the broadcast, and it was hard not to feel it because of his popularity in that city. I think it's going to be a different vibe this week. If this game was in Pittsburgh, I would tell you that we would have to have those discussions in our production meeting on how we want to cover this. The fact that the game is in Baltimore does change the vibe. Will there be packages of Ben Roethlisberger in previous iterations? Uh, Yeah, there will, I'm sure. I don't know if it'll dominate the broadcast. Will there be deep discussions about Ben the human being? I don't think so. And it's not something that we make a habit of with with any player. You know, when you start going on the personal level, uh, there's a lot there, and you do have to to balance it out. With that said, uh, I I doubt I'll be making any statements in regards to to Ben the person. Right. Any conversations that we will have on the air will be his playing career. I've certainly met with him countless times in production meetings and. Some of them have been very positive experience. Sometimes, certainly early in his career, they were not. Hmm. He was not a fan of them. Hmm. He, he didn't enjoy the process. And it's funny. I think for myself, 18 years in this league for Ben Roethlisberger, and I realized that I saw this guy as a rookie just trying to figure it all out. 
and now the end of the line, which will be in the Hall of Fame. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. Of course. And you see and feel the evolution of that player, uh, not just out on the field, but even in your brief interludes on these broadcast meetings of uh, you know what's going on, and you try to draw some conclusions from him. He's he's led a really interesting career. And his relationship with the media, relationship with that fan base, relationship with his teammates, uh, all of it has has led to what will one day be a documentary of some sort that, that will show all sides of it. But Sunday won't be that day. He is Ian Eagle. He, of course, will be on the call for Raven Steelers Sunday at 1 o'clock on CBS. Ian, on the Ravens side of things, it, it has been just a really frustrating um, second half of the season. Yeah. and. And frustrating because there's no one to blame. This is what happens when you lose half your roster. I mean, like, you, it's just impossible at some point to continue to assuming that you're going to win. And and I don't, you know, it's not a wave of the white flag. They've been very competitive, obviously. They've been, you know, four, four, four losses all by uh, two points or less, right? Like, they've been extraordinarily yep. competitive in this process. Um, what do you make of where the Ravens find themselves? Do you, do you feel like it's easy for them as an organization to sit down and say, Look, this was just an unbelievable run of bad luck. Let's let's get it all back together and let's go for it. Or do you feel like when it, when you go through something like this, where you lose this many games, it can lead to bigger conversations? And and do we need to think about a different direction on the offensive side of the ball? Do we like? Do, what do you make of going through a a stretch like this? Yeah. Look, obviously what they were doing through the first part of the season to improve to eight and three, to be the number one seed in the AFC at that point, uh, it, it got a lot of attention because of the job that Harbaugh did, the smoke and mirrors that it felt like, how are they doing this? They've lost every frontline running back yet. They continue to produce the defense at that point had lost big names, big time players that were going to have a huge impact, a secondary, as we know, in particular, And then the smoke cleared, and the losses, the way they happened, were so troubling. And I understand all of the reasoning behind it. I get it. Uh, I find, though, and this is just me, Glenn, in trying to to balance out how analytics come into play and how the new view of football comes into play and how that blends with our instincts, our gut instincts of what you do and how you do it. And there's not a right or wrong answer. But I do find that those that that use the analytics as uh, a rallying cry usually lost the game. It's usually based on, well, if this happened, this happened, this happened, it would have worked out. The numbers told us it would have worked out. Yeah. But you lost the game. And ultimately, that's what you get judged on. So... Uh, we can look back on the 2021 season with the Baltimore Ravens and say, man, it could have been so different. It could have been 10 wins going into week 18, and they would have had the the playoffs right in their grasp, or they would have clinched already, or right. they would have been the team that was controlling their own destiny. The reality is it didn't go that way. Did it even out in the wash in some way, shape, or form? Maybe. You know, maybe that's the way that they're going to view it. If you're the Ravens, do you turn around in 2022 and say, hey, we just come back with basically the same group, and if we're healthy, 
we're going to be able to compete with anybody. I think you have to learn something about yourself throughout this process, and I'm sure they've drawn some conclusions. You know, the one concern I would have, Glenn, and I know you, know, you live in this world. You you talk about it. You break it down on a daily basis. Lamar Jackson wants to play. Lamar Jackson wants to be out there. Lamar Jackson is a gifted talent. He's a pro bowler. He's a former MVP. He is respected around the NFL. He's a superstar player. But the difference between what he brings and his skill set and that of your typical quarterback, you know, there are certain guys, even mobile guys, that you figure out a way to, to get him to the field on Sunday and you just ask him to change his game for that day. Like, hey, look, right. you can't run today. We just need you to sit back and pinpoint your passes and lead our offense. And unfortunately, what I think, at least in this, this current situation, the Ravens are going to have to deal with at some point is there's no plan B with Lamar. If he can't be himself, if he can't do the things that he does, all the incredible things he brings to the field, you can't put him out there. And that's a little bit troubling moving forward. He is Ian Eagle. He's with us on GCR. Ian, and again, look, I don't think there's any chance that Lamar's playing on Sunday. But what what you're we're bringing up is interesting, and I, I think it's more interesting. You you did if, correct me if I'm wrong. You did the radio broadcast of the Dolphins game, correct? I did. I did. So you saw the first of this stretch of games where the Dolphins kind of created, you know, what has been described as a blueprint. Just just bring intense pressure, cover zero, blitz, 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 blitz. And and Lamar, who used to be very good against the Blitz, badly struggled for four weeks yes. with teams blitzing the hell out of him. Yes. That, to me, is the more – you know, I the Ravens are going to have to pay Lamar Jackson a boatload of money, and I've got no problem with the fact they're going to do it. Lamar Jackson's an, an unbelievable talent, incredibly hard worker. You know, I'm, I'm not personally convinced that this is an actual blueprint. It's, to me, what happens when you also can't run the ball and you, you create sort of a panic situation. Agreed. Um, I, I'm not – panicked about it but seeing it up close and personal and it being so different than what we are used to did it give you any concerns at all about Lamar Jackson moving forward just how much how badly he struggled in that situation yeah it gave me a little bit of a flashback by the way to the Tennessee playoff game that I did on TV where plan A wasn't working uh, plan B didn't go well and there really wasn't a plan C D or E the the adjustments were not there for the taking. And I think that seems to be the one trend that you'd like to see reversed at some point. I don't know about pause. He deserves to get paid. He's earned it. He's earned every penny, whether it's going to be on the tag at $25 million, whether it's going to be a long-term deal. You know, the fact that he's not working with an agent, uh, you know, that's his prerogative. Right. And obviously that's going against the grain. That's not the norm in the NFL, but, you know, kind of shows you of where his mindset might be. I, I think the Ravens will continue to say all the right things. I think they're going to continue to build the offense around Lamar, which they've done. But the fact that Tyler Huntley is the backup quarterback and is Lamar light uh, shows you how much you have to commit to it. You know, most other teams, uh, you you get a backup quarterback, and now you adjust some things. Maybe you put some things in that he likes or can can use, and you try to take advantage of superstar quarterbacks. As you know, uh, 
backups, there's only so much you can do. You can't mirror their skills. The Ravens have tried to do that. The, the Kansas City Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes. And then behind him, they've got Chad Henry. Right. Very different. Very different. Very different. There's an understanding from Kansas City that, hey, look, if we lose Patrick Mahomes, we're done. Yeah, maybe we can tread water for a half or a quarter for a series for a game. But any long-term issue, it's over. Baltimore has committed to this offense and committed to running it. In this way, so it's not just a commitment to Lamar Jackson; it's a commitment to the whole being. system, right? And and that's a that's a very different philosophy from most NFL teams. Uh, it's true, a hundred percent true. And, and look, no disrespect to Tyler Huntley, who I think we all agree has you know performed incredibly admirably and Absolutely. Is, is, has probably earned himself the opportunity to stay in the league. But you know, like we got a reminder a week ago, Tyler Huntley ain't Lamar Jackson. And when we were pretending like he could be, we were. Lamar Jackson is is a different breed of athlete. Um, he is yep. capable of doing things that just other human beings are not capable. No, of superhuman, doing. Glenn. Yeah. He, he's, we've all seen it. That that's the thing. You know, you know what's in uh, his makeup, and you can't recreate that. So with Baltimore, I think they have learned probably a little bit about themselves. It's been a really frustrating season. I'm sure Harbs is is beyond because of what could have been and what should have been. And it's tough to take. It's tough to swallow for a team that has such a high standard and expects to be in the playoffs every year. Yep. This is what they expect. Yep, no doubt. Uh, not to be a part of it is, is difficult. So uh, the game will have meaning because it's Ben Roethlisberger's last game. Mathematically, two teams are still alive, but there's a lot more meat to the bone, I'm sure, uh, certainly with the Ravens and and how this is all going to look moving forward. All right, before I let you go, uh, this is from a listener named Chris, and it's a shame because uh, Drew actually sat in with us the other day. He's not here today. Uh, but he said, uh, Glenn, is there any chance you could ask Ian for longtime listeners of you and Drew if he would be willing to slip in a, it's not a low blow, it's just a fact during Sunday's broadcast? <laughs> So I don't, I, I, I don't know you how know, you would go about doing it, but you know the circumstances around that. It was an Orioles yes. fan in the truck, and it was simply for him. It was such an inside thing, and Drew connected to it in yeah. such a way. We that it oh, we, so we, we ran with it. We did an entire segment oh based around it for for four years or something I feel like, like I was that. Part of the show. Well, you. I mean, in, in fairness, in you've always you've always been part of the show, <laughs> and you've been uh, one of our best friends ever. If there's any way it can be done. It would be wonderful. I get that it's a little bit it, – it becomes ham-fisted after a little while to try to force it in. So if it doesn't work, I, I certainly understand that. Uh, Ian Eagle, my friend, you uh, you have been so good to us, and I can't tell you how much it's appreciated. Uh, thank you. Uh, safety, health to you, your entire family, and look forward to seeing you in Baltimore on Sunday. All right. Hey, ditto, Glenn. All the best. Thanks, buddy. Always good talking to you, bud. Ian Eagle, man. Love him. Uh, obviously he's incredible at what he does, but he's also been incredibly good to us over the years and always takes the time for us, which means the world. He is definitely a friend. You know, it's an interesting argument. We won't take a break here. We'll wait till after Charlie Bash to take a break. Um, I will say that today's show is also brought to you by, ooh, it's brought to you by Glory Days Grill, where the seasonal menu is still available and is unbelievable. It's those comfort food classics, including 
the house-made meatloaf, the grilled meatloaf sandwich, the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, the smoky thigh wings with the Alabama barbecue sauce, the Brussels and bacon appetizer, the short rib grilled cheese. When is that food coming in here again? Easy over there. You can go to Glory Days <laughs> Grill this weekend. You can get your own, all right? Glorydaysgrill.com. Put your order and bring it home tonight. So there has been... Um, from some parts. I, again, I, I thought for the most part the broadcast proved to be good theater. It's not for me, clearly. I'm not a Ben Roethlisberger guy in any way. But if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, you probably loved how that played out. You got you know the him taking the knee. You got all the stuff that you know you could ask for at the end of the game if you love the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and so in a way, like on a night where the football was terrible and, and who's really still watching at that point, well, it's probably Pittsburgh Steelers fans or people that are inclined to like Ben Roethlisberger, and so they got great theater out of it. But the criticism is that, you know, the, it, was, it was whitewashed, that at some point, I don't want to say it was greasy, uh, brought up like, you know, he, you know, he had some issues in his life and just sort of moved on from it. Mm. In the continued attempt to lionize Ben Roethlisberger, right? Like because you've got this this theater, and if in the midst of that theater you say, well, you know, he's not necessarily a great guy, it, it doesn't the 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 words don't match the pictures. If that's the case, the pictures are celebration conquering hero, and the words don't match the pictures. And it's a difficult place for broadcasters to be in because there is not a correct answer. Your job is not necessarily to be a journalist in those moments. Unfortunately, for very few of them, it's to ever be a journalist. Your job is to be a broadcaster for a network partner of the people who make the product. So what do you do? To Ian Eagle's point, well, the answer is probably just not to talk about Ben Roethlisberger, the human being at all. Mm. Like, it it was worse because it was brought up and so quickly dismissed on Monday night. It was worse because of that. Because you brought it up and then you made it go away, right? Like, you were like, well, it's just not that big of a deal. Well, if you don't bring it up at all, it's it's maybe less distasteful. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't envy that situation. It's, it's a difficult thing to be, it, a spot to be in for as a broadcaster. Every time we see these situations, whether it's him or we mentioned Suggs yesterday or the day mm-hmm. before or Tyreek Hill, I think of the line from Superbad, people don't forget. I never forgot. And I always, even with Suggs, I, I, I'll see these things and I think to myself, are we just going to act like that stuff didn't happen? You know? And, 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 and but But to your point... What can they really do? It's better just to not mention it at all. Because if you mention it, then you're making it look like it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, By right. not mentioning it at all, it's you're probably just doing what you have to to do your job. Very difficult spot to be in. Yeah. Very difficult spot to be in. All right, Ravens Steelers Sunday. Uh, whenever every time the Ravens play the Steelers, it's an opportunity for us to catch up with an old friend. He, of course, former Steelers quarterback, and yeah, a guy that came in here and won in Baltimore once upon a time. But we try to forget about that. Um, and also part of their radio network. He is our buddy, Charlie Batch, and he's back with us here on GCR. Charlie, it's Glenn and Paul and Zach in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you, as always, taking a couple of minutes for us. Hey, no problem. Good morning to you, fellas. Hey, uh, you know, look, man, I, I have talked to you about a billion things over the years. Typically, they've all been ra- related to Raven Steelers. When did you decide you were going to dip your toes in the NIL world? When did that happen? How did, how did that come up that you were going to be the man that was trying to land Caleb Williams at Eastern Michigan? Hey, I love Eastern Michigan. 
that, that, that's my university. And that's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll leave it alone. <laughs> I, I, I understand there are rules that are involved in these things, and that's the way that it goes. Um, who gets who gets the bigger um, like ovation when they return to Eastern Michigan, you or Chris Hoyles? Ooh, that's a tough one. That is a tough one. I mean, I, I, it just depends on the time of year. Okay. Yeah, I love to go back if I can during homecoming, but uh, – you know, that, because I don't get back up there much, I would like to say me. All right, all right, all right. We'll go with that. Charlie Batch, Raven Steelers coming up on Sunday. Um, obviously, you were, you were teammates with Ben Roethlisberger. You you know him quite well. Um, going into this game, where are you as far as, like, this being a celebration of Ben Roethlisberger, this being maybe something that the organization – it was about two years behind on like, where are you with all of the emotions surrounding the end of the run for Ben Roethlisberger? Yeah, I think uh, that all was on Monday night. And I think that was something that, you know, Ben wanted to get ahead of it. And that's why he made the announcement on Thursday prior to the game, just to, you know, so his teammates wasn't, didn't have to answer for him quite frankly. So to kind of go out that way, Monday night, last home game and those type of things. And I think really the football gods were working with us because what better way for you to end Baltimore, in your career in Baltimore? I mean, this is something that especially how fierce the rivalry has been all of these years. His career essentially started in Baltimore back in 2004 when Tommy Maddox got hurt. And here he is now with a chance to end it in Baltimore. So this is all the football gods working for us. But, man, just look, think about how – you know, how big of a moment it is. I mean, the Ravens are bringing back Terrell Suggs, <laughs> knowing how the history and the respect that both uh, players have had. And it wouldn't surprise me when after Suggs is introduced there and those guys just embrace, whether that's beginning of the game or after the game, because they know now, you know, officially, you know, the people who have been part of this rivalry, it's all coming to a conclusion. As someone who knows them well, Charlie, you know, I'm, I'm sure you throughout your life have dealt with, you know, people coming up to you and saying, yeah, I don't like Ben Roethlisberger. I'm sure you got plenty to do, obviously, being in Pittsburgh. But I'm sure that you have dealt with people that um, have come up to you and said, like, I, I hate the guy or I don't like the guy because of things that have happened in the past. What do you say to people when they when they bring that up to you? How do you handle that side of the conversation, Charlie? Yeah, I mean, you know, we could talk about it 18 years later, but quite frankly, I was getting this back in 2006, right after Ben Roethlisberger's motorcycle accident, and he had one of the worst seasons of his career. We ended up going 8-8, eight and eight, and people in Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation was like, is Ben even a guy? I mean, he's as bad as he played, and I literally had to pump the brakes on people and I say, listen, don't do anything at this point that when it comes time to a contract extension in the next two years that he remembers what you're doing right now because I saw how hard he was working off the field, but yet now looking to evolve in that 2007 year, and that's ultimately what he did. And now as people continue to say that, you know, people you know say it respectfully, and you have some people that don't, but ultimately, you know, it's when you look on what he's done on the field – you can't do anything but respect that. You're talking about a top five passer in the history of the National Football League, knowing how difficult it was two times a year, quite frankly, sometimes three, to get past the Ravens, and that's where that black and blue division was created. So, you know, everybody's going to have their opinion one way or another, but either way, we all get a chance to celebrate him 18 years later. Whether you like him or not, you have to respect his body of work on the field. He is Charlie Batch. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio as we're getting ready for Ravens-Steelers on Sunday. Charlie, I know the last time we talked, I said, hey, is, is there a thought about what happens next? And you were like, I, I have no idea. Do, do you have any more of a clue as to what the Steelers are going to look to do now, now that they know it's not going to be Ben Roethlisberger next season? 
Yeah, and there's a lot of talk, and everybody talk about, you know, oh, yeah, you know, and even Mike Tomlin said, hey, I was going to be a veteran quarterback next year, and everybody outside of Pittsburgh automatically assumed that they made me make a run at Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. But quite frankly, I don't know how they decide that they're going to make a trade using two or three first-round picks on somebody knowing how many holes they have on this particular roster at this point. But the Steelers organization truly believe in Mason Rudolph. They invested in him prior to the season beginning, which they didn't have to. They signed him to a one-year, $3 million deal. That lets you know that they believe that he is capable of starting in 2022. Now, they will add some competition to the position, which is great. I mean, that's a healthy competition. But I fully expect Mason Rudolph to be the 2022 starter in a prove-it year. And if he can get it done next year, then we'll see a big contract extension after that. Based on what you've seen of him, where's, where's your faith level in him being able to be that guy? To be honest with you, I can't answer that, you know, honestly, because I have not seen the body of work. Yes, I saw 2019 when Ben Roethlisberger injured his elbow. You know, he played probably nine or ten games, but he missed some games, and then quite frankly got benched for Duck Hodges there. Right. So we didn't see what that particular body of work looked like for him. So I'm, I'm honestly, I'm concerned. You know, it's one thing to watch somebody in practice, but the, you know, we need to see that in-game settings. And right now, I don't know. If I've seen enough of that, all I know is that they've invested the four years of, of of work in him, and that's why I say they're probably they're going to give him that opportunity next year. Charlie, one of the other scenarios for Sunday, um, it's it's second fiddle, which is remarkable considering the record that we're talking about is the T.J. Watt now puts himself in this opportunity um, to to break the record for the most sacks in a season and. Um, you know, the Ravens' offensive line does not necessarily seem to be the type of thing that makes you think he won't break the record. In fact, I, if I had to bet, Charlie, he breaks it by a couple, uh, frankly. <laughs> like he, he puts some distance on the record. Can you put into words the type of season? You know, I, I think some people will look at sacks and say, hey, man, some of these happen because you're just going up and over against an overwhelmed offensive line. But seeing him week in and week out, and, you know, I know he hasn't been even, even been able to play in every game this year, which makes us even more remarkable. Just how good has T.J. Watt been during the course of the year? Man, he has been unbelievable. This guy you know, earned every bit of the contract that he signed prior to the season beginning. And, you know, up here in Pittsburgh, we truly believe he should have been already a two-time defensive player of the year. You know, he lost one to Stephon Gilbert, uh, Gilmore, and then, of course, Pittsburgh's own Aaron Donald, who, you know, doesn't need an endorsement by any means. Now, here he is right now having a chance to break that record. He's one away from it. And what I love about the fact that, you know, now because people are talking about asterisks with this 17-game season, if any records are broken, this is a guy who already missed two and a half games this year. So to come in here now in the final week of the season and have a chance to break that record, it's phenomenal. And what better way? For T.J. Watt to break the record against Al Villanueva, former Pittsburgh Steeler, now on the Ravens. That will set it up, and that will be one worth uh, talking about. We've we've been trying to give him back for the entire – I feel feel bad saying this because I know he's – and by the way, I've talked to a lot of the guys in the locker room. They have such admiration for for Alejandro Villanueva. Like, you know, Patrick Queen put it to me one time. He's like, dude, when that guy talks, we all listen. Like his Absolutely. Ex- it, you, you'd be surprised. You know, we see what's going on on football, and everybody likes to compare, you know, oh, it's, you know, they use the term loosely compared to war or battle. And right. No, we, we play a game. This, yep. That guy actually went out and put his life on the line for this country. So that is a contr- true 
ultimate respect. And I, and I firmly believe, and I've been in there, when he speaks, everybody listens because these are life lessons that he is teaching about what he has seen in the actual battlefield. That's why he has the respect, not only just from Steelers Nation, but NFL in general, because of what his, the service that he's been able to create and do for this country. Mad respect. I love Big Al to death. And that's why he's been a fan favorite since he's been a starter and, in this league. And I, certainly, I, I echo all those statements about the respect for him as a person. And I know how much he means to the guys in the locker room. But at the same time, I'm still not convinced, Char, that he hasn't been a double agent all season. I'm just not convinced <laughs> that he's no, not. No, trust me. When he, the, those, type of, those type of things done. You know, a lot of people like to, to put the conspiracy theories. Oh, I, know, but I, I, know, I know. I want to make it very clear. I know that's not true. I'm just trying yeah, to comment. Yeah, it's not true. Trust me, we've, we've had players who actually came from the Ravens that would not give up the goods as it relates to information, even when they did become members of the no, Steelers. No, I, so that I, is a mutual yeah, respect that way. I, I assure you. No, I, I, tell you the, I tell you the funniest one, though. I'm going to tell you the funniest one okay. is whenever we had Chris K. Mwatu here and you all had yeah, his Mate. brother. Yep, uh-huh, 100%. That was something that was, that was literally both of those guys respected the game enough to make sure we're not giving any tips to anybody. And that's, no, I, that's a, When you talk family situation, that is the true definition of family and respect. Charlie, I promise you I know that's true. It's just not been – it has not gone well with Alejandro. Villanueva in Baltimore on the football field this season. It has been, it has been. Uh, the Ravens don't miss a lot on the decisions. This one was a pretty big whiff. It was a pretty well. Big I, whiff I, think, I think. I think. I think. For me, on the outside, obviously, you've yeah. seen it more than I have. The the, the biggest uh, concern was him going to that right tackle. Something he never did when he was in Pittsburgh. Got exposed, and I thought he did a little bit better at the left tackle yeah. versus right. But that, again, that's me on the outside and looking yeah. in. It, for a little while, he did actually. It's the funny part. For about four weeks afterwards, we were like, you know, he's playing a pretty serviceable left tackle. Actually, I mean, it was it was not nearly as bad as it was at right. And then from that point, it's just. It has not been good. It has been really rough. But look, I mean, it's the Ravens have a lot of problems. Unfortunately, that's the reality of the circumstances. Can you can you walk me through a little bit of that, Charlie? Like the you know, I, you you played for an organization. I think we all know that that lost uh, in Detroit, and it's just calling it like it is. Um, when when a team goes through something like this, the Ravens, we all know what the circumstances are. They have lost a hundred players this season. They have been competitive in games against really good teams, despite how much they have lost personnel-wise. It's remarkable what they've done. But what is the impact of just a sheer losing streak on players as they try to get ready to go play a football game in Week 18? Like, Does it wear on you at some point where it just sort of feels like the world has come crashing down on all around you? Yeah, it, it does. And I think when you look at just the manner of how you're losing, you know, a lot of those two-point conversions and those type of things. So when you silly, truly say, hey, man, we're close. We just didn't get over the hump. You actually can see it. When I was in Detroit, man, we were on some bad teams. And when you got to week 17, trust me, guys were already packing their stuff. They were already sending, you know, shipping their stuff across country, preparing for the offseason. And when they approached this game, they were just trying not to get hurt. So they didn't rehab in the offseason. That's just the reality of some bad teams, or maybe some of them say, hey, man, I'm not even going to be here no more, so I'm just making sure that I don't have to rehab any offseason. So I haven't been part of that in Steel- with the Steelers much, but I have been a part of it. But the mindset is, when you are in a situation like Baltimore, understanding all of the people who are, who are hurt right now, those guys could potentially be back on the roster next year. Yep. So if you're on this roster right now, you have to now make a case for yourself and prove to Coach Harbaugh and prove to that Ravens organization – I belong and worthy of an opportunity next off season to prepare to have an opportunity to make the roster next year. That's the mindset that you have to have. And if you know that you're not going to be in Baltimore, there's 31 other teams 
paying attention to what you're doing. So that has to be the mindset for every single player. So it can't be a give-up situation. No, you better go out here and prove it if you want to continue your uh, professional career. Well, and you get a chance to spoil Ben Roethlisberger's final game, right? Like, and you get – Right. Absolutely you do. And those are things that you all play a factor of. And for me, I look on the other side, I'm like, man, you want to know what? Everybody remembers, you know, they bring that up, the 2012 season, and I hug with Ben Roethlisberger at the end of the game, and I'm crying emotional. Why? Because I knew that that would possibly be my last start in the National Football League career. And lo and behold, it was. I do the post game up here. I am so tempted to now call off and now hopefully – Put it out there to say, okay, Ben Roethlisberger is leading the Steelers on a two-minute draft to win the game. I want to be standing right there in the same spot that I was in in 2012 and give Ben Roethlisberger a hug mm. and let 20 million people know again that I am an emotional person and 20 million people saw me cry. Right, I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. We're, we're, we're hoping it's an ass-kicking, and there's nothing like that happening. <laughs> That's what we're, we're hoping for. Trust me, this is, this, is, this is the only time of the year that my Baltimore friends that we don't talk, yeah. there's a trash talking beforehand, we don't talk during the game, but trust me, Texas are firing after the I game. So but you, as you, as you want to kick the Steelers, but I want to kick the Ravens, but because I don't want to hear this entire offseason about how you all spoil our 5% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, well, you know, we don't want you to spoil the 1.5% the chance the Ravens have <laughs> of making the playoffs. Hey, in, in, in the words of Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber, yep. so you're telling me there's, there's a chance. chance. What happened to all we that both one... are thinking that. <laughs> what happened to all that one in a million talk? What happened to all of that? Charlie Batch, I love the work that you do with the Best of the Batch, uh, Batch Foundation. Remind everybody about what it is you guys are doing out there, including this giant clubhouse that you've built. Yes, with, with the Best of the Batch Foundation, we are, an or, uh, we are an educational foundation. We focus mainly on reading computer literacy, along with our STEAM program. A lot of people say uh, STEM, but we say STEAM because we include the A in arts uh, as well. So we service 3,800 kids annually throughout nine different counties throughout southwestern Pennsylvania. We've been around now for 21 years, and we are going from 5,300 square feet to now 33,000 square feet. So we are expanding. So this is just our, uh, you know, our legacy of what our family's trying to leave for our, our Pittsburgh community. It's just truly a blessing for all the people who have been supportive of what we've done over the years. And we are truly thankful. We're humble and we're grateful. And if anybody wants to learn what we do throughout a calendar year, they actually can go to batchfoundation.org. You see all of the work that we are doing. And if we can help in any way, I know, you know, you're down in Baltimore and whatnot, but if we can help smooth out some of those hurdles to see how we got from point, point A to point B, we have no problem with helping. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're trying to continue to impact more kids throughout this country. That's huge. Yeah, it's remarkable what you guys do. It's just incredible stuff, man. And we always love talking about it and shining the light on how hard you've worked in that community. We don't we don't like much about that community, but we like that, Charlie Batch. We like that a whole heck of a lot. Um, hey, man, I've still got some eligibility remaining. Um, you know, if, if there's anything lying around to help me get to Ypsilanti, I'm pretty sure I could still help out as like a blocking tight end if you guys need one Absolutely. of those things, right? Like we can Let's, talk. Absolutely. Let's talk. Right. <laughs> Charlie Batch, always appreciate you, my friend. At Charlie Batch 16 on Twitter is how you follow him. Thank you for taking the time for us as always, man. Look forward to talking to you again as we get to next season. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, fellas. Charlie Batch joining us here on GCR to uh, preview Raven Steelers. I cannot believe they would really make their plans around it being Mason Rudolph. I there's no there's no chance. way. And I certainly I, I certainly get that. Sort of what he's saying is until there's someone else, you can only respond to the guy that you have, right? Like I cannot believe for a second that they would actually go into next year saying, I, I 
is it possible that they want to swing for the big dogs and the big dogs just the price is too high or they just end up going somewhere else and then they're sort of left there saying, well, what do we do now? Like, I don't know what happens. I am leaning more towards the idea that Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay. Um, I've, I've just, as the season's gone on, there were a lot of people who immediately said that. Like, when I brought this up back in September, there were people like, dude, he's not leaving. I think Green Jeremy Bay. Kahn was one of those. Jeremy Kahn was, was certainly one of those people. But I mean people that are plugged in. Like, not, mm. I'm not trying to disrespect Jeremy Kahn, but, like, Jeremy doesn't have any sources in Green Bay. This is right. just him sort of hypothesizing. I mean, people that were plugged in who were like, dude, I know it looks bad, but ultimately, it's the place where you're most beloved. It's it's the place that knows that they are best suited to have you. Like they're gonna figure it out. He's gonna stick around there. And I'm more convinced of that. And just watching how the years played out, like this was the most awkward. This was as awkward as Earl Thomas and his brother hanging out in an orgy, right? <laughs> like this was this was terribly uncomfortable. And yet now, like. There's been other issues related to Aaron Rodgers, but nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking about the problems internally in the organization. So I'm just more and more convinced that Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay. Russell Wilson obviously is going to end up on a different roster next year. And, you know, sure, if you're the Steelers, why wouldn't you be involved with Russell Wilson? But to Charlie Batch's point, does it make sense for the Steelers to be paying a premium price right now for Russell Wilson? Is, is that the most sensical thing they can do to spend a bunch of draft picks on Russell Wilson? I, to me, that's why I keep coming back to the teams to me that make the most sense to pay premiums for Russell Wilson are the Vikings and the Broncos. Those are the two teams that, if I'm the Minnesota Vikings and I've got receivers and I've got a running back and I've got all of that, I look and say, if, if we can get 75% of Russell Wilson... We genuinely have a chance to win a Super Bowl, and we don't know how long our window is going to be. Pittsburgh, they like to think their window is eternal, right? Like, that's just the type of organization that they have, where their window is always open. And that's why they can't go with Mason Rudolph. That's why they can't. I think the argument would be, the Mason Rudolph argument would be, you go through, you try to get one of the top guys. It's not ava- They're not available. Mm-hmm. They, they go somewhere else. You're not willing to pay the price that it takes. So are you really going to sign Kirk Cousins? And if you get to, it's either Kirk Cousins or it's Mason Rudolph. Well, there's quite a difference there, <laughs> to be fair. I don't disagree with that, yeah. but you're sort of if it's Kirk Cousins, do you really believe you have a chance to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, I would. With that defense, I would. I don't. I, mean, I, I, I like Kirk Cousins personally. I, I think he's a good quarterback. Um, I mean, Kirk Cousins, to me, the problem's never been the, the people. That, Kirk Cousins has had loaded rosters around him. He has. He, he has. He's, be another one. He's just sort of limited in what he I, does in the biggest situations. But, I mean but, like the But Mason Rudolph is so far below that. Well we've seen of him to this point. I understand to this that. Point, yeah. I think what you're saying is at some point you're looking at the list and saying, are we winning a Super Bowl with this guy or not? And if you're not, then there's an argument for let's draft a quarterback. And if you don't like the quarterbacks there in the first round, you're drafting a quarterback in the third round, something mm-hmm. like that. Say, we'll run it out there with Mason Rudolph, see what happens. If he's not good, we'll let the other guy play. And the worst-case scenario is we end up with a pretty high pick the following year to get our quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that's the way that we go about doing it. And what boat do you put Matt Ryan? I, I've said it, Matt Ryan to me. Again, the, the logical destinations to me are Russell Wilson to Minnesota, Matt Ryan to Denver, mm-hmm. right? Like, those are the two teams that you look at their rosters and you say, there is a right now sense to it. There is a, if you just had a quarterback, you'd be something. You don't have a quarterback, right? Somebody would argue San Francisco, but they've got a more complicated situation in San Francisco that they've got a like. They've
they, they drafted Trey Lance. They kind of have to go that route moving forward. So I remove San Francisco from that equation. What are the other circumstances where you look at the roster and you say it's just missing a quarterback, that everything else is good, it's just missing a quarterback? I feel like you can make that argument about Pittsburgh. Not with the O-line the way it yeah, is, I, don't, I would say. I don't make that argument with Pittsburgh. I, they're close. They're, they're cl- really close. It, we, we, they have pieces that you really like. You really like T.J. Watt, obviously. Mm-hmm. You really like Najee Harris. I mean, I say really like. I'm not trying to say John Najee Harris is Jonathan Taylor, but you're convinced that he's your answer at running back for some time. The receiving core is really solid. There yeah. was, I, that's the part that's interesting to me, right? It's solid, but just solid. It ain't what's in Minnesota. That's true. They got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I guess we don't know what Adam Thielen's future is necessarily, but like they've got nobody's got Justin Jefferson. They've got guys that we all think are good, and they've been productive, but they're kind of all incomplete, right? Mm-hmm. Like none of them are studs. They're all good. But they've all been playing with. I understand they've been with, limited by the quarterback that's throwing them the football. Yeah, but yeah. even even in those circumstances, there's been enough with all of them. Like even Chase Play- Playpool the other night, who I look at and say he's got all the physical gifts. Yeah. He still doesn't always catch the football. Like even when it's throwing, he just doesn't always catch it. I think we all think Deontay Johnson is quite good, mm-hmm. but he's not. You know, he's he. It's not six four wide receiver good. You know what I mean? Like there's he's not Justin Jefferson, for example. Mm-hmm. He's good. He's a good player you'd want to have on your team. Um, I think there are things to like about Pittsburgh, and I think the head coach is more significant than the roster in that way. Um, the reason why I'd want to be in Pittsburgh is to play for Mike Tomlin because I believe that Mike Tomlin, even when it's limited, even when you don't have a great roster, can get more out of it. I don't know who the coach is going to be in Denver next year. I don't know who the coach is going to be in Minnesota next season. But the rosters there are the ones that you look at and say, that Denver defense is unbelievable. That's an unbelievable Mm -hmm. defense that they have on that side of the ball. They've got – you have every reason to think Javante Williams is a quality running back and you don't even know what Melvin Gordon's future is. And – We've all thought they've had high-level receivers. They just haven't been able to be productive because they don't have a quarterback, right? Like, if you like Pittsburgh's receivers, tell me why Jerry Judy isn't better than that. Tell me why, you know, I, I guess the bloom's starting to come off the rose with Cortland Sutton, but, like, I I still think Cortland Sutton's probably about as good as the receivers that they're having Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Why, wouldn't, why wouldn't that be the place that you'd want to be? Right. So there's one Russell Wilson available. I don't think there's going to be an Aaron Rodgers available. I do think that Matt Ryan is a guy that you still believe you can win with for a little while. And if he looks and says, let me give a shot at Pittsburgh, yeah, maybe I'd do that for a year or two. Maybe I'd take the Matt Ryan experiment. It is a little bit weird because now you're dealing with a guy that's never played outdoor football, right? Like, he has been blessed to be playing indoors for the entirety of his career. And, you know, worst case scenario, he's playing games, what, in Tampa? You know, it's yeah. a, it's he's played more than half his games indoors because New Orleans is also indoors, um, and then Carolina and Tampa are the only other places that you play in significantly if you're in that division. So, introducing him to Pittsburgh and even to Denver to some extent is kind of a drastic sea change. He did play college football at, at Boston. Boston. It's been a that's a big difference between being 20 yeah. and playing at Boston that's College true. and being that's true. you know in that's your true. late 30s and playing in those circumstances. <laughs> like they I'm not saying it's irrelevant, right? I do think it matters to some extent, but it's a drastic difference to suddenly be doing that. You should have heard all the curses when I was when the wind was blowing snow in my face as I was brushing off the car this morning. And I mean, <laughs> you're in a different place in your life. I'm not saying I ever enjoyed snow. My early 20s. I never enjoyed snow. Paul well, loves the cold. Snow. Paul I, loves I the cold. Oh, I hate, hate it all. F snow. Snow. I, I, 
sucks. So back back on the the topic of available quarterbacks, though, I think it's fair to say that Tua is going to be available if Deshaun if Watson Deshaun, is cleared. That's very, so if Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. I get that what we're saying is we're all assuming. I'm still convinced that if Deshaun Watson is is available, he's in the market. Cleveland is in the market. Yeah, I am one hundred percent because it's the same situation as Miami. You can only move on if you're doing better. You can't. It's we all can sit here and say. Well, yeah, the Cleveland can't give Baker Mayfield all that money. Mm-hmm. Okay, but there's always the opportunity. Like, what what is the alternative? Is the alternative going back to the drawing board? Is the alternative Kirk Cousins? Like, I, I hear you, but they're very. If Deshaun Watson is actually a factor, I think Cleveland and Miami are both factors for Deshaun Watson because they're both they're willing to do things. Like, for example. I don't think Pittsburgh does that with Deshaun Watson. I think they say we can't be the team. We can't be the mm-hmm. ones that do that. But the u- circumstances are so unique in Cleveland and Miami that it's almost sort of desperate, right? We can't run off the we don't think this guy is good enough, but we can't run him off unless we do better. And in order to do better, we might have to do something we don't really want to do. And that's for, Deshaun Watson. For, forgive my ignorance. Um Deshaun Watson, don't you still have to trade for him? Yes. Right. Right. So it's not, I would imagine that Tua would be a piece going back to Houston. It's possible too. Yeah, so, well, maybe, but they really like. Available. They have every reason to like Davis Mills, right? Like, is, I don't, is the sample size big enough though that you can you can run Davis Mills out there for for you know as many games as you would next year? I, I just don't feel like he would last. I, I don't know. I'm not sold on that yet with the sample size we've seen. No, I'm not trying to suggest that Davis Mills has proven that he's a high level quarterback, but I right now if you're telling me my options are committing minimizing what I can get back in a trade because I take Tua as part of it versus getting more draft picks, letting Davis Mills play next season, Mm -hmm. and then if he's not the guy, deciding that I'm going to use all these draft picks I have to go get my quarterback the following year, I would rather do that. I I would not be committing to Tua in in minimizing what I get in return by committing to Tua Tungvaloa in the process. I would say I would rather have more picks and give this dude a shot mm-hmm. than, than take less in a trade because I'm committing to Tua Tungvaloa as being my answer. With no disrespect, I think he's a he's an NFL quarterback for sure, but he's not the guy that I'm s- suggesting is the centerpiece of my franchise moving forward. It's not something that I'm going to do. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. We will see. Today's show is also brought to you by ooh, Underdog Fantasy Football. If you're not playing Underdog Fantasy Football, I think you're a crazy person. I think you're nuts. Underdog fantasy football is a lot of fun. You can be playing daily and weekly fantasy games, um, but you can also be playing player props, parlays, things that make you feel like you're betting. And unfortunately, as you know, while you can bet brick and mortar now in the state of Maryland, you still can't bet on your phone or online. But you can play underdog fantasy football. And we are matching up to $100 when you make your first deposit. When you use the code PRESSBOX right now, underdogfantasy.com or download the underdog app for underdog fantasy football. Uh, we're going to preview the college football playoff national championship game. That's coming up. And a couple things that we haven't gotten to. I haven't talked at all about Ken Rosenthal this week, so we'll do that. That'll, uh, that'll happen before we wrap up the day. That's all on the way. It is a Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com 
The latest issue of Press Box is available now, and it's our very special annual Best of Issue on the cover. We celebrate Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, honoring his historic on-field achievements, but also the unprecedented relationship he shared with Baltimore. Inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of 2021, including Cedric Mullins' incredible season and the dominance of local Paralympic athletes. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including including 60 Royal Farm stores. And you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Glory Days Grill's winter seasonal menu is back with comfort classics like their house-made meatloaf and short rib grilled cheese. It also features the center-cut sirloin with grilled shrimp, the char-grilled pork tenderloin, grilled meatloaf sandwich, smoky thigh wings with Alabama barbecue sauce, and a Brussels and bacon appetizer. All of these items pair well with Devil's Backbone 8-point IPA or their anniversary IPA brewed by Devil's Backbone. And try their seasonal cocktails, Blood Orange Burger, Bourbon Cider, Apple Ginger Mule, and Captain's Hot Cider. Find out more and get your order in today at glorydaysgrill.com. Great food, good sports. Window Depot Baltimore provides the highest quality pro via windows, doors, and siding for all budgets. The best is finally affordable. Call them today for a free in-home consultation at 410-941-3499. They also offer Zoom and FaceTime consultations in an effort to practice social distancing. A proud sponsor of the Tyus Bowser Show, you can find out more at windowdepotbaltimore.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Once again this season, Pressbox's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune into Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined postgame by your favorite analysts like the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Ken Zalis, and more. Watch the show at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and listen at PressBoxOnline.com Slash Radio. Pressbox's Project Game Day. Every game day presented by Glory Days Grill. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. And try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue on a Friday edition of the program. Today's show is also brought to you. Well, you know, it's just a reminder that you can check out Stan the Fan. Twice a week. We had a great uh, night celebrating Stan's birthday last night. We did it uh, virtually over Zoom because, you know, it's, it's what it is. It's where we are. Stan turned 70 years old. Happy birthday, Stan. And we all got together on uh, Zoom. Or I'd say we all got together. It was mostly his friends and family. And then I hopped on for a little while. Um, uh, Ron Matz read a poem. It was just a neat night celebrating uh, Stan the Fan, 70 years old. What a run he has had. And uh, twice a week, he hops on uh, Facebook Live to, for shows. If you missed it this week, Mike Devereaux joined he and Ross Grimsley on Monday. And then Steve Souter, uh, former Maryland football player, now radio color analyst, joined he and Gary Stein this week. So you can go find both those shows right now at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Click on the videos tab or go to pressboxonline.com slash video and watch him there. Coming up this Monday night, Ben McDonald will join uh, Stan and Ross. So they'll be talking baseball Monday night. You won't want to miss that. 
All right. Um, few things here before we get to Senator Justin Reedy, who's going to join us in just a minute. One, thank you to all of you. Uh, as everyone knows I'm obsessed with pickles. That's a fact. Everybody knows that about me. Uh, apparently, there was something being passed around about a place called Giovanni's. Uh, they're a new restaurant in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And among the menu items, it's a, it's a pickle place, essentially. The menu items include mini dill dippers, three bite-sized pickles with one of our signature dips and a side of tortilla chips. Yep. (laughs) Flavorful spears, four delicious dill pickle spears with your choice of seasoning, Old Bay Parmesan cheese, tajiri, chocolate drizzle, everything bagel seasoning. Yep. Fried pickles. Yep. Loaded fried pickles. What? Our awesome no. battered fried pickles with cheese sauce, ranch, and bacon. <laughs> yep. Press box field trip? Oh, yeah. The Big Dill, a bacon-wrapped mozzarella stuffed deep fried pickle topped with our signature Giovanni sauce or ranch with a side of tortilla How chips. How did they know my nickname in college? The Big Dill? <laughs> the Big Dill. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, boy. Pickle hot oh, dog. Oh, boy. We got a hot dog and put it in a pickle served on a stick. Who else but us? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Battered pickle corn dog. Yep. Oh, that sounds amazing. Just a pickle on a stick. You can get one of those for two ninety nine or two for four ninety nine. What, what a deal. Give me ten. Give me ten. Pickle hoagies. Now, this is something that has uh, become more common in recent years. Is uh, there's an establishment locally, in fact, that uh, it's a it's actually more of a restaurant and a bar than it is a deli. But I once upon a time made the pilgrimage up to the original deli in Haddon Township, New Jersey, that served only pickle sandwiches. All of their sandwiches were served on pickles, and I it was it was like what people find when they go to Mecca is what I found going to this establishment. I was so happy. Now is it to be at this place? Every kind of pickle, like a bread and butter pickle. If you are ordering a bread and butter pickle, get the f out and never return. Okay. Why Thank you. you it's ever, only dill. Ever order. Well, that's what they make their sandwiches on. Yes, it's a deli pickle, which is a traditional dill pickle. Now, I don't know about this place. I, I haven't, but the place that I went to, I think it was called Elsie's, mm-hmm. um, which was very popular online, and everybody sent me the videos for years. And so I literally arranged uh, a field trip. Uh, and, and then I was bummed because I tried two different times to go, only to find out they close at 2 o'clock every day, oh, wow. mm. which made it very difficult considering when we do the show. So I legitimately one day had to say, we are wrapping up at 11.45. I am getting in my car, and I am driving to Haddon Township, New Jersey, in order to experience Elsie's. You made it there in time? Made it there in time. Literally, as they were closing, which was even better, because, and they're in South Jersey. They're not They're not okay. far from okay. Philadelphia. Um, it was even better, because then they were offering me, because they were also closed on the weekends, which is part of the problem. They were like, uh, here, do you want some uh, Bloody Mary mix? We're going to have to throw it away. I'm like, do do I? Do I? <laughs> Just giving me stuff. Because I'm like taking pictures outside. I'm so excited that I finally made this this, this trip to the to Elsie's in order to do it. They were wow. so excited to have me there. They were like, wow. They, they treated me basically like I was a Make-A-Wish kid. Like legitimately <laughs> they treated me that way, which I appreciated. It meant a, a great deal to me. Other menu items. Uh, by the way, these are the pickle sandwiches. Um your classic Italian hoagie, but on a pickle. Ham, provolone, cheese, salami, and capicola. The American ham and cheese on a pickle. The Pat's Turkey Club. 
traditional turkey club on a pickle loaded with bacon, the turkey and cheese, the spicy pullets with the uh, capicola, the pepper jack cheese, hot peppers, and Giovanni sauce, the big tuna, which is tuna on a pickle. That's a no, not necessary, but, you know, I get it. God bless. Then they do something called pickle boats. Now, I don't know what these are, but I need to know more immediately. Pickle boats. Half pickle boats. For one, the Florence boat with fresh mozzarella, tomatoes, and basil drizzled with balsamic glaze. The BLT. Bacon, lettuce, and tomato on half a pickle. Loaded with flavor. And did we mention bacon? The barbecue dilly. Grilled chicken topped with barbecue sauce and your choice of ranch or blue cheese. The buffalo dilly. Grilled chicken topped with hot sauce and your choice of chicken, bacon, ranch, pickle. All The answer for all of them is yes. And the more important question is when are we going? I need to know who's in. We're going to make a plan. We're going to G- – you, you, are you in? Is that what you're saying? Zach's in. We're going to Giovanni's. We're making a trip. It's in Bucks County, so it's sort of in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, I believe. Uh, I'm going to get a definition. Giovanni's in Bucks County. And we'll figure out when we're going to do this. But we're going. I want to make this as clear as I possibly can. We are going to experience the joy of their pickle menu. That is something that is going to happen. I promise you that much. That was the big story for me today, if I'm being totally honest with you. I did not really care about any of the sports-related things that were happening today once this was introduced to me. Yeah, uh, Paul's in. I, I, I am, well. I am, I am very in. in. Let me know Everybody's the time in. of the day. I will be there. We're doing it. We are. Yeah. I, I do like. Turn, turn his mic back on, please. The the, uh, the the pickle chips that Lay's makes are incredible. The, the dill pickle chips. Oh, they're they're some of the finest. Well, wait, the Lay's ones? Uh, the, uh, yeah, the Lay's ones. That's the only ones I've had. Oh, if you haven't had the fried pick, the no, the Utz rippled fried pickle. Oh, mm, no, haven't. I will God. say I, overall chip wise, I'm an Utz guy, but okay. Lay's makes a good potato chip. Okay, that's and, fine. And, and, there is no one who has made a chip better than the Utz fried dill pickle potato chip. I, I gotta chip. go pick some of these up. It is. It is they're, top. They're very good. It is okay. top two, and it ain't two. <laughs> it is. It What's is number one. It's number one. That's, that's what, what he said. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. What's number two? Oh, boy. I don't so know, actually. Oh, it's honey barbecue. No, yeah, honey barbecue is fine. They introduced one. God, I've already forgotten. No, 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 no. They introduced one earlier this year that I swear to God I said, I can't believe how good this chip is. Salt and vinegar makes you feel like your mouth is bleeding. Like, there's just so much going on in there. Well, that's that's just your immature palate, whoa. sir. Whoa, whoa. It's quite, quite the challenge. I'm going to get defensive again over here. Quite the challenge. Um, this is this is what I'm concerned about, John. I, I want that truck. I want what if you say you've got a food truck that does all those things down in, in Little Rock? That's great. It doesn't help me. I'm not in Little Rock now. I'm willing again to make the trip. These are the types of things that's worth making a trip over. We're, we're talking about Arkansas here. Yes, Arkansas. Okay. Unfortunately, so I well. I probably <laughs> won't be making the trip today. Little Rock Dundalk. Yeah. The, the, oh yeah, I mean the truck is wheels. You can just bring it up for you, Glenn. <laughs> Thank you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they want to drive it up. Yeah. They want to drive it up. All right. Um, are we waiting? Are we, let me know. You're gonna let me know when we're good. He is not in yet. Okay. All right. Let me know when you're good. Okay. Um, so quickly, I didn't really spend much time talking about uh, Ken Rosenthal the other day, and it's it's for two reasons. One, because I think a lot of people when they first saw the news, it was over dramatized. Like Ken Rosenthal was unemployed. No, he's not unemployed. He just is no longer employed by the MLB Network, which was one of the places he worked for. Ken Rosenthal is still very much employed by the Athletic, and I guess now the New York Times, because the New York Times has purchased the Athletic for a, a Significant sum of money, $550 million. 
Um, and he's still employed by Fox, right? So, like, you're still going to be seeing Ken Rosenthal during the playoffs next year. Like, Ken Rosenthal's not going away. But it makes the MLB Network thing no less embarrassing. It's it's so embarrassing for Rob Manfred, who is liked by no one. Literally no <laughs> like, one. no one. And I say this as someone who, like, actually supports some of the changes that have happened in baseball. Like, I think the extra inning thing is the best thing that's ever happened to baseball. I can't fathom a world in which you go back the other way because it's the best baseball you can possibly get is what happens in the extra innings. But Rob Manfred has has screwed up at every turn. He's He's been, he's been awful. Um, but why he would choose to be petty... And somebody would make the argument, look, you chose, if you're Ken Rosenthal, you chose to work for MLB Network. And that's what happens. It's like if you go choose to work for Masson, then you got to know you're not going to be able to be critical of the Orioles. They own Masson. That's the way, that's the term of your employment. It's, it's insane because Ken Rosenthal is Ken Rosenthal. But, you know... It still kind of is what it is. There's not a whole lot more we can say about that. All right, you're telling me that Justin Reedy is, is Senator Reedy is there. He's yes, just, his, yes. Is his vi- is you're, you're trying to say his video is not on? There is no video, but I'm assuming he can hear right. and, well, and we'll, see. We'll give it a shot. Sen- oh, there he is. Now oh, the video, there we go. The video is in. Excellent. There we go. Senator, good morning, my friend. How are you? Oh boy, that's well, a different. I, 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 there we go. Okay, let's right, try this good again. Now, hey, let's Senator, try- can you hear me? Okay. I hear you. Can Excellent. You hear there I got go. you. That's what I was looking for. Good morning, Senator Justin Reedy. We do Senator's suggestions typically uh, before college football weekends. Obviously, there aren't three games to talk about. There's just one game, and it's coming up on Monday night. Um, I guess, Senator, let's start with just sort of looking back on what happened in the semifinals. I got to be honest with you. They both went almost exactly the way that I expected they would go. Cincinnati, you know, they weren't. it wasn't embarrassing. They, they, they looked like a team that had every right to be there, but ultimately they're just not as good as Alabama, and Georgia might be the best team in the country. These two games just went the way that I kind of thought they were going to go. Yeah, and if you remember, I mean, I, I thought Cincinnati would hang in for a while, and they basically did, and then Georgia curb-stomped Michigan, um, and I, I wasn't surprised Georgia beat Michigan convincingly. I actually was a little surprised it was quite as big of a blowout as it was, but I, I've said all season I thought Georgia was the best team in the country. Um It'll be interesting to watch Monday night. So let's go through this, right? Like, we know what Georgia does, what they want to do. Although, to be, let's be fair, Stetson Bennett looked tremendous in that football game. Like, that was – he looked excellent. Um, we know what they want to do. We know they weren't able to do it when these teams got together. Why is it that certainly Vegas thinks it's going to be different why should we expect it to be different than what happened in the SEC championship game? It may not be different. I, I think there are two big factors for Alabama on the negative side. And, and you know, you have people who have heard me before. You've, of course, pointed out I'm an Alabama homer. I'm a little surprised they made it this far because they've had a series of injuries and other issues this year. It's pretty. It's a testament to Nick Saban and to the grit of the team. I think Georgia did the SEC championship game. I don't want to say Georgia didn't take it seriously because I think that they did. They were a little bit vanilla on some things defensively and struggled once they got behind because they hadn't been behind all year. Right. Alabama made some tweaks to their offensive line coming out of the regular season and going into that game that seemed to give Bryce Young just enough time, but he also made some incredible plays. Um, 
I think the key for Alabama, there's there's two things that I think may be driving why it's not a pick em and why they're an underdog. I think John Mechie, the number two receiver for Alabama that got hurt in the SEC title game, he had 100 yards receiving at halftime, and he got hurt right before halftime. In the second half, Alabama's offense, while they still did enough to secure the victory, it was not as – they did, were not moving the ball quite as effectively. Also, there are two offensive linemen for Alabama that were hurt during the Cincinnati game, and they've been very coy about giving really any updates. I think if, if both of those linemen don't play, or maybe even if one of them doesn't play, they go back to having some guys on the line that really struggled. We saw them struggle against Auburn and LSU in the regular season. So those are factors that I think could be negative for Alabama. On the positive side, Alabama has the best quarterback by far. Right. And defensively, I don't think Alabama is going to get blown off the ball the way Michigan was getting blown off the ball. Um, I don't think all those little simple flat passes will be there for Stetson Bennett. However, one thing Stetson Bennett is really good at is throwing the ball down the seam to his excellent tight end, Brock Bowers. And Alabama's defense uh, it has struggled to defend that consistently all year. Any team probably struggles to defend. So even though Stetson doesn't have a cannon for an arm, if they can play even or ahead, he's very dangerous because he can make all of the throws you need to make to move the sticks on third and five. Right. And that's the challenge. When you get if you if Alabama is to, to get a, a lead in the in the middle of the game and into the second half, that's when I think the Stetson Bennett interception, he's a little bit been a little bit prone to turning the ball over against Alabama. So all of those factors play in, you know, to see whether or not Georgia can turn the tables here. It's also really hard to beat a team twice in the span of a month in college football. Um, okay, that's fair. Senator Justin Reedy is with us as we're previewing the college football playoff championship game on Monday night. You're, you're right about that in theory. It's very difficult to do this. But isn't that also mitigated by the fact that it's been really difficult for people to beat Nick Saban in these types of games, right? Like, no matter no matter who you are, isn't a little bit of that factor mitigated by the fact that this is still Nick Saban in a, in a football game that matters that we're talking about? Yeah, if, if, if Georgia is to win this game um, – they will be probably the first team to beat Nick Saban outside of his first year at Alabama. They'll be the first team to beat Alabama that didn't have that doesn't have the better quarterback or the really hot better or sure. at least even and going really hot. Right, um, like the Ohio State thing. Yeah, LSU beat him. LSU beat him. I think once once or twice many years ago when they didn't have maybe the better quarterback, but they were exactly equal on defense. Which you could argue that's the situation here. Is Georgia is. That's how that's Georgia's path to victory is that they may have the better talent actually on the defensive side of the ball relative to Alabama's offense, which is unusual. But you're right. You'd be going against history here. Um, And so we'll see. I mean, all along, I've, you know, I thought Georgia was going to win the title. I didn't expect it to be a rematch between Alabama and Georgia. I mean, until obviously the SEC title game. And so we'll see. I I, a lot of people are going to pick Georgia because they feel like it's hard to beat a team twice, and Georgia did make some mistakes in that football game and and will not make perhaps the same mistakes this time. Alabama, on the other hand, had a had no healthy running backs, basically, and so they their running back situation is better. So we'll just have to see. I, I would hate – this to me is a pick em game, and I, I think Georgia plus three or Georgia with a three-point – as a three-point favorite is not unreasonable, but, boy – People don't usually make money betting against Alabama. That's what I'm saying, man. That's why I don't know how I don't know how you can bet Georgia right now. Just you're giving me you're telling me I get Alabama in points. Please, please yeah, take that was, every if time. It plus, if it was plus one and a half or right. plus two, I, I could see it. But right. plus three, 
Georgia's got to win by at least a field goal. And, um, you know, we'll see. I Again, you know, the only time Alabama has, has lost in these championship games has been against the better quarterback. Um, and, I, I, you know, I don't see that. At the same time, Alabama's never had this level of banged-upness on the offensive side of the ball going into a title game either. That, to me, is the one thing that gives Georgia the edge is – you know, Alabama's had a month to have some other very highly ta- highly recruited receivers get some work, but missing Mechie means they can focus on Jamison Williams more yeah. in the secondary for Georgia. Um, so, you know, I think a big tell to watch is can Alabama run the ball enough to stay out of second and more than eight and nine a lot? If they can run the ball enough, it sounds funny talking about Alabama this way. If they could, because again, Cincinnati didn't match up physically up front, and Cincinnati decided they weren't going to get beat over the top. So Alabama pounded them and ran the ball very effectively. But Georgia's front is far different, obviously. So I think the key for Alabama on offense is can they keep Georgia offense uh, honest on defense, and can the can they force you know can they can they avoid allowing Georgia to be multiple as well? And, you know, in the SEC title game, Georgia started out running the ball pretty well, but then they kind of went away from it, especially as they got more behind. Georgia has to stay balanced, um, and and so those are all things I'm looking for. It's it's really going to be an interesting game. All right, give me you're a Ravens fan. Everybody knows that. Give me a few names that maybe the the casual college football fan does not know that are in this game that you look at and say, "Hey, man, I think that guy might look good in purple next season." <laughs> well, it depends on how high the draft pick is. I tell you, having a burner who also can catch the football like Jamison Williams would be great at receiver. Um, defensively, there are some folks in the secondary, uh, 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 Jordan battle is one, a safety, a hard hitting safety. There are, uh, of course, Will Anderson, if you want to watch the, it's a joke that he wasn't invited to the Heisman ceremony. And I say that not as a Homer, after you watch Aiden Hutchinson get mauled all over the field against Georgia, Will Anderson is the, possibly the best college football player in the country. He's only a sophomore though. So I guess you asked if he's going to be out, he won't be out this year. Uh, Georgia has some Georgia has some studs at linebacker and, and defensive line that run down running backs and receivers across the field. Uh, so I, you could watch any of the Georgia linebackers and defensive linemen for an op- to see somebody who might very well be available in the middle first round that could really strengthen um, strengthen the Ravens linebacker core. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think there's there's talent all over the field. Uh, there's no doubt about that. No shortage of options that could end up playing on Sundays. All right, sir. Um, I, I'm assuming that you're you're like you know you said that you thought Georgia was going to win the title, but we're down to it. Like you know, you really think that they're going to win the title, or would you? If if you were a betting man, would you be lining up on the Alabama side at this point? I, I you know that's a tough question. I I feel like. I, part of the way I steal myself against disappointment is to say what I think yeah, might right, happen. Right. So like, I, yeah. I've been saying all year, and of course there's a joke in sort of Alabama gump Twitter that uh, there's no way Georgia can win this game. Absolutely, can lose this game. There's no way they can lose. They're a team of destiny. There's no way Georgia can lose. You keep saying it, you know. Right, right. Because uh, <laughs> then it just makes it more agonizing what? if they do. I feel like I feel like Georgia's going to win the game. I do, and I, I because I just feel like they're too good to keep not beating a team that is banged up. I will say if Alabama's two linemen play, I think this could be a really tight game and Alabama pulls it out. But uh, if I was betting that plus three, I wish it was plus two. If it was Georgia plus two, I'd probably take Georgia plus two. Plus three, 
that's right on the line um, of, of what I'd want to take. All right. Uh, Senator, I have appreciated this throughout the course of the season. Uh, of course, the duck pin is where people can find your stuff at uh, Reedy CFB is how people find you. Or is it CFB Reedy? Remind, it's Reedy CFB, right? Reedy CFB. Reedy it's CFB Reedy on CFB. Twitter. Find his stuff there. CFB, yeah, CFB, right. And I, and I too, hate Rob Manfred, like most people. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, hey, they're putting Alex Rodriguez on a, on a Manning cast broadcast on Sunday night. So can't wait for that. That's going to be a oh, lot of that's, fun. There, there's that, then. There's yeah, they, that. Got, they got that going for him. <laughs> Senator, appreciate you, my friend. Um, uh, we'll, we'll be in touch. Look forward to uh, another season of doing this next year, all right? You bet. See ya. Senator Justin Reedy joining us here on GCR. Um, appreciate him getting ready for the title game. I, I cannot believe they're doing that, by the way. The, the Alex Rodriguez, Michael K thing. Who is who that wants to for? watch that? Like, who I is? will watch it. Why? As a baseball fan, I will watch it. Why would you? <laughs> I, I just like baseball enough that I will. So you? Why wouldn't you just watch the game then? Yeah. Well, I could do that. I don't like. I know it's not going to be the broadcast. It's going to be like I, a no, Manning I cast. Type I, of thing. I I enjoy that extra analysis that comes from players who you know played formerly in baseball and, and a guy who had so much success like Rodriguez. You know, anyway, he had the success. We know how he had the success. But I I I think he's a very smart baseball mind, and I will listen to that. All right. Well, they found we found it. We found the person. <laughs> listen to it. The, the one guy one that, that, that that shows for. I, I do. He, he's a, he's a good broadcaster. He's very knowledgeable. I think he's a solid broadcaster. I think the problem is he comes off. This is a problem that I have with a lot of people, and I, I, I there are people that come off more as a brand than as any than as a person. And he is a person that comes off more as a brand to Very me. Very disingenuous. That, that, exactly right. That there's always going to be a limit to what he says because the first thing that comes out of his mind is, I have to protect my brand. That's the way he comes off as, as a broadcaster to me. I look at him the way we were talking earlier about these players with these checkered pass. People don't forget. I didn't forget. A lot of people seem to have forgotten with A-Rod just how scummy of a person That's the thing. Is. I don't really give a crap that he did steroids. That doesn't bother That's me. That's not what I'm talking about. It's, not, yes. It's, all the other stuff involved with it. Right. The the lengths that he was willing to go, the Lance Armstrong-ish way that he mm, attempted yeah, to yeah, ruin yeah, yeah. people's lives in order to protect himself... That's the stuff. He has right? absolutely made some huge mistakes, and I wouldn't really call him a good person. Uh, but personally, I do enjoy his baseball analysis. He cheated on J Lo. Well, that I don't. Yeah. I don't really care yeah. about that. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I don't. Yeah. I don't care about that at all, bro. <laughs> there are a lot of people that are in. <laughs> he did. Uh, there are a lot of broadcasters who work. I, I enjoy that. I they've done a lot of things that you probably wouldn't like. So I'm just. Much. That's just something else to throw in the pile of oh, all okay. the reasons I hate A Rod. <laughs> right. I've I've hated A Rod since 1996. Well, I'm not telling you to stop hating Alex Rodriguez. I want that to be very clear. I'm not telling you to stop doing that. I just have no idea. Like I I like Michael K. Did the people in New York want that? They could watch him every day for hours. Nobody outside of New York gives a rat's ass about Michael K. No offense. He might be a good. He might be <laughs> no a good comment. What? I kind of like Michael K. Why? I don't know. Every time I listen to him, I, I find it enjoyable. But why do you listen? The, I don't understand why you I have, listen to him. I have him. the Yes Network at home, so I actually get a lot of the uh, a lot of the but a I don't lot of the Yankee why games. Why do you sit when, when I'm bored? I just put on if the Orioles aren't on, no other baseball game. I will watch the Yankees because I have the network. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Boy, we found the uh, guy. It's a the, real the, weird the, bit. The one guy. I'm never being invited back. By the way, I already. I just, know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I, 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 I'm, I'm giving. I'm, I'm calling Ryan Blake yeah, today. Ryan, Ryan Blake's coming on the bat around. You're that's, just not really explaining guys, so yeah. to me what it is. Like, I don't know. It's just it, it, being a bit a baseball fan like I am. I enjoy baseball as much as possible, and I enjoy people who know baseball and have a great analysis of it. And not to say other broadcasters don't. I personally enjoy Michael K. And I do like Alex Rodriguez as well. So there it is. I'm sorry. I'm I mean, sorry. It's may, the truth. May, maybe, maybe there's more of them. Maybe that there's more. Live your best life, bro. 
Yeah. Twitter I mean, Twitter didn't think so. Well, because I was so I'm like, what what I the anti Alex Rodriguez stuff in part is why they're putting Alex Rodriguez in that role is because they believe that he's at a place where love him, hate him, you'll pay attention to him, mm-hmm. right? So that's the reason why he's in that spot. Fine, I'll live with that. But if you're going to put him in that spot, the other person to me has to matter. You almost have to, like, there's got to be a face and a heel in that, in, if you're going to make a broadcast like that work. Um, and, and again, I don't know how Yankees fans, they might, they might love Michael Kay. They might say, yeah, give me an... Give me more of an opportunity. The fact that he lost in ratings to Mike Francesa for so long, like, if you can't yeah. beat Mike Francesa in ratings, I don't know how beloved you are. I don't right? disagree like, with that. Um, so it's weird, right? But I'm I'm indifferent towards – nothing – announcing Michael K to me would be like announcing that, that Steve Stevenson was doing a Sunday night broadcast oh, with he's Alex great. Rodriguez. Why would I care? Like, what – why would I care to sit down and watch something that involved Michael K? He's just he means nothing to me. I have no feelings toward him whatsoever. That broadcast to me requires if you're putting a heel in the analyst role, mm-hmm. then you need a face in the other seat. You I, need someone. I think Jessica Mendoza would have been really good. I know. I disagree with that. I mean, so the people. That, okay. The, the argument is <laughs> okay because she's too neutral. People okay. are sort of like, man, eh, like they. She's fine. Buck, she's Buck Showalter would have been great in that role if he hadn't become the Mets manager. Maybe he might have been a good. I don't know that he would have gotten fully out of Alex Rodriguez what you wanted to get out of there. He's just good in a lot of roles, and so Buck would have worked. The argument that a lot of people made is Dallas Braden, like that you needed that yeah. type of yeah. Light the likable personality, someone that people like that would probably be willing to go toe-to-toe with Alex Rodriguez, Mm -hmm. that would get stuff out of him, and when they fought, it would be good theater because you like this guy and you don't like the other guy, right? Like, it would create compelling... When they argued about something, you'd be into it, whereas... I don't disagree at all. That would have been a really great choice. I, I, just I, I agree with that. Get putting Michael K in that role just doesn't get me to turn it on. Like it might be that they're saying, "Well, we think Michael K can do that too." Like, okay, but I'm never going to find out mm-hmm. because you're not enticing me to watch the broadcast because I don't give a rat's ass. Again, this is this all sounds very disrespectful to Michael K. I I'm nothing, Michael. I don't dislike him. Mm-hmm. I nothing him. He's a he's a local New York guy. He's th- there's no other taste that anyone has. For Michael, unless you are in New York, he's irrelevant. It and I and I mean this like I, I don't disagree. It would be if they put Bob Carpenter on. Why would anybody outside of Washington D.C. care? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, here here's the question. I guess that um, I've been wondering because I haven't read the article. I haven't read the the specifics of this. But in the playoffs, they do the the stat cast where they're giving a lot of different you know analytics, stats, yes. sabermetrics, all that yes. stuff. I really enjoy that. That's my favorite thing to watch during the playoffs. Is that going to be baked into this or not? Is that something that's going to be? I don't. I think they're trying to make it a, a Manning cast. They're trying to make it entertainment. Yeah. See, they're I think they, I think they should blend stat cast and you know the broadcast like that and this Alex Rodriguez thing. I think that would make a lot of sense. I mean, and I, I think he's the guy that could really break that down. Maybe well too. I mean if he, if he's good at that, like that would be an interesting thing for him to do. But this this just just appears to be he doesn't want to have to travel to the games. Like he gets to sit at home mm-hmm. and do this goofy thing. And hey, look, if it worked Peyton and Eli, we can make the model work with anybody. And we'll put. I, I think part of the problem. This is really one of the things. Sunday night baseball isn't real. It it mattered once upon a time. It mm-hmm. was a real thing. But Sunday Night Baseball is just another. It only matters to the two teams that are involved with the broadcast. Yeah. 
people don't sit around saying, what's the Sunday night baseball yeah, game you're this right. week? You're right. Because there's too many baseball games that are available to you during the course of the week, right? Like you, Fox had a game the night before. TBS had a game that afternoon. If you don't care about those two teams, and it's not some sort of like marquee pitching matchup, yeah. this isn't the NFL is its own animal. The NFL, every game matters because there's only so many of them. Mm-hmm. There's 162 in baseball for every team. You can't make Sunday night a destination baseball viewing because it's just one game. Because the player, the teams might say, we're going to rest our stars that night because we got a game to play tomorrow. It's just not that important. And that happens all the time on Sunday. Sunday is usually the day that, 100%. that teams you rest their players. You put your B lineup yeah. out there yeah. on Sundays. So part of the problem inherently is ESPN trying to make Sunday Night Baseball a property beyond what it is. It's just another national broadcast during the course of the week. That's all Sunday Night Baseball is. Mm -hmm. They think because it's the only game that's on at that time, they can make it more than what it is. You can't. You can't force people to sit down and watch baseball just because it's the only baseball game that's on. Um, So I don't – I guess my real answer is there's not anybody – you can't make a Manning cast out of baseball. You have to start with it being a property that matters. Monday Night Football, because it's an NFL game, matters in a, in a way that you can get people to tune in even if they don't care about the teams that are involved. You start with the fact that only, the only people that are tuning in are the people that care about these teams, and now you're splitting that audience up over a traditional broadcast and a side broadcast? Who's watching this? I'm, a, I'm as big a baseball fan as there is, and I barely ever watch Sunday Night Baseball. Because why would you? Right. Like what is there to? It's just another game. That's right. all it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I'm if I'm at the TV and I have nothing else to watch, then I'll put that on. Yeah, if I mean, the Orioles, you know, if you're, of course, if the Orioles aren't on, and it's yeah, roughly back. But I'm noise. no more inclined to watch a Sunday night game. Even when, look again when when the Orioles are bad, it 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 declines my excitement about baseball as a whole. I haven't I hid from that right. Like when in 2014, mm-hmm. I was more likely to watch games that didn't involve the Orioles than I was a season ago because I'm so jacked up about baseball and there's pennant races that matter and I want to see what's going on with these teams that the Orioles are going to be facing. Sure. The, the Orioles being bad hurts my general excitement about baseball as a whole. I'm less inclined to watch baseball as a whole when the Orioles are bad because it just doesn't matter to me in any type of way, right? Like there's just nothing there. But even when the Orioles are good, I'm no more inclined to watch Sunday night baseball than I am Wednesday night baseball. Like, there's nothing that says to me, this is when I need to sit down and watch a baseball game. Now, when you were a kid, when I was a child, when Paul was a child, there weren't a lot of national games on TV. There were the Braves on TBS. There were a lot of teams that you just didn't get to watch. So Sunday Night Baseball mattered. Yeah. Like, it was a thing. It was real. Joe Miller, or John Miller and Joe Morgan, I just made them one person, were a real part <laughs> of my life because there were only so many games that you could watch as a baseball fan that were on television. Yeah. I was watching Sunday Night Baseball when Juan Dixon got drafted. How about that? There's I was watching Sunday Night Baseball wow. when they found JFK Jr.'s uh, plane. No, how about that? There's wow. all these things. Sunday Night Baseball was a part of... What was that, like 93? No. I don't it was know. Like 99? 99, yeah. Something like it that. It was a part of culture. I know my date so it's, well. It's just not It's not a thing any longer. And yes, uh, the main booth will be Ravage, Cone, and, and Eduardo Perez. And I like Eduardo Perez a lot. I don't, you know, again, because I don't watch the Yankees. I don't... And part of it might be ESPN just saying, like, we kind of don't... If we can get New York people to watch, yeah. that's enough for us. Just get like, everyone involved with the Yankees, Mets, right. whatever it is. Like, send if, it. If, if we can get that, that's all we need, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that, unfortunately, is the way that media sometimes works, and it's, you know, it's a bigger problem that, that we can't solve. Did not know David Cohn was involved with this, so Well, he's go. not... He's on the real he, He's on the real broadcast. The real that's broadcast right. is Ravitch. But even so. Ravitch, Cohn, and Perez. And I like Eduardo Perez. I think he's very good. Um, he doesn't have a lot of cachet, it's sort of the problem that I talk about with the Monday night booth. Like, Eduardo Perez's 
is a solid broadcaster, but he doesn't have a lot of cachet from his career as a player that like he matters more than anybody else that you could put in that sure. role. If you need to hone your computer skills to boost your career, or maybe you want an IT certification, CCBC continu- Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field, and it's all tuition-free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. 443-840-4700 or ccbcmd.edu slash computer training. We'll come back in. We'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular to wrap it up. It is Friday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Duffy's Garage is a family-owned and operated car care facility in beautiful Baldwin, Maryland. An authorized Maryland inspection station and Napa Pro Care Center with ASE certified techs. Tell them that Glenn Clark sent you and receive 10% off your service with a max discount of $150. You gotta trust where you take your car, so take it to where I take mine. Duffy's Garage in Baldwin. Duffy'sGarageMD.com from all of the biggest games to the smallest events, make every bet worth your while at MyBookie. Start by doubling your first deposit instantly with MyBookie's first deposit bonus up to $1,000. Double your money before you even place a bet, and all you have to do is sign up and deposit using the exclusive promo code PRESSBOX at MyBookie.ag. If your first deposit is $100, MyBookie adds $100 so you can start with $200 to play with. If your first deposit is $1,000, MyBookie adds $1,000 so you can start with $2,000 to play with. With tons of great games and prop bets to take advantage of this week, there is truly something for everyone. Don't wait any longer. Head to MyBookie today to redeem your double deposit bonus so you can start winning big today. That's promo code PRESSBOX to receive double your first deposit instantly in your account. No hassle, no wait. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. The biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common. You've heard them on Jobbing Out. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. Thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. The great Kurt Angle. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Matt Riddle. Yeah, man. Thanks, man. The champ, Drew McIntyre. Thank you for having me. The great Ron Simmons. Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Le Champion. Chris Jericho. Le Champion. AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Stay tuned. Your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. 
Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. One more Project Game Day for the season. We'll be back this Sunday. I'll be with you at halftime. I'm joined by the NFL Chicks, Sarita Hubbard, postgame. Both shows at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. And the postgame show you can also hear at PressBoxOnline.com slash Radio. Project Game Day brought to you all season long. By Glory Days Grill and Underdog Fantasy Football, we wrap up the season this Sunday. But we think. I mean, I guess there's that one in a million. What happened to all that one in a million talk? Um, maybe maybe there's a chance we end up with Mary Samsonite, and uh, we will be there uh, the following week. But the most likely scenario is it is the season finale for Project Game Day. Let's go ahead and get a tidbit. Tidbit brought to you today by the best of issue of PressBox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Or read it all at PressBoxOnline.com slash best of. We honor Justin Tucker as our Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year. And inside, recognize the top people, moments, and performances of 2021. Go get it. It's always a very special issue. It is available right now wherever you find PressBox. All right. The NFL's leading rusher is Jonathan Taylor with 1,734 yards. I hear he's good. He has 529 more rushing yards than the second leading rusher, Joe Mixon, who has 1,205. Taylor is tracking to have the fifth largest margin between the top two rushers since the 1970 merger. A 500-yard gap between the league's top two running backs has been accomplished four total times by three different backs. Who are they? Adrian Peterson. No. Uh... 500-yard margin? Eric Dickerson. Uh-huh. Eric Dickerson, yeah. No. Barry Sanders? No. Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson, oh, 2009. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he he oh. had 2,006 rushing yards. Steven Jackson had 1,416. That's a difference of 590 yards. That is the second greatest gap in history. Emmett Smith. He's got to be there. No. What? Doesn't he have the most rushing he yards played, of all time? He no. played with Barry Sanders. You've got to think a single season. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, Jamal Lewis. No. He didn't play with Barry Sanders. Emmett. No, he played at the same time. Oh, I thought, oh at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What he's saying. Yeah, he's right. saying that that, that create that made it difficult to have such. I miss. I misheard. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, this is tough. Mm, how about? I'm trying to think more modern now. Um, it wasn't Todd Gurley? Was it? It's not modern. Oh, not it's modern. Not modern. Gail Sayers. No. How about? Um, Jim Brown. Tony Dorsett. No. Uh, Terrell Davis. No. OJ. OJ Simpson did it twice. And not a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> In 1975, he outgained Franco Harris by 571 yards, 1817 to 1246. And in 1973, the largest gap in NFL history, he outgained John Brockington 2,003 yards to 1144 for a difference of 859 yards. You have one left. Uh, and still, not, still Walter, not recent. Walter Payton. Walter oh, yeah. Payton, 1977. He outgained Mark Van Egan by 579 yards, 1852 to 1273. All right, there you go. There you go. Tubular also brought to you today by Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. You can uh, make your bets on all of the games and enjoy them from the best seat in the house. And they got those self-service kiosks. So, again, if you're doing something like you know, betting on the Steelers this week, 
You don't have to tell anybody. You can do it in anonymity. You can just walk up and let a machine know that you're betting on the Steelers so that, and then go tell all your friends, nah, dude, I'm totally betting on the Ravens. I wouldn't bet on the Steelers. Never! Never! And then make sure they're not looking and walk up to that machine and collect your money because I think most of us are betting on the Steelers this weekend. Just the reality of the circumstances. Uh, but check out Live Casino Hotel and the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook. Here's what's coming up this weekend. Just some highlights anyway. Totally tubular-wise. Uh, tonight, College Hoops, Loyola, BU, 5 o'clock, and Bucknell Navy, 7 o'clock, both on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, Wizards in action tonight. They're at the Bulls on NBC Sports Washington. Plus, Capitals are at the Blues at 8 o'clock, NBC Sports Washington, and NHL Network. Tomorrow, NFL games, ESPN and ABC for both Chiefs-Broncos at 4.30, Cowboys-Eagles at 8.15. ESPN 3 for UMass Lowell and UMBC at 5.30. Coppin State's South Carolina State tomorrow at 4. I think Morgan's game got postponed, unfortunately. And all these, as always, TBA this time of year. It's just the reality. The FCS National Championship game is tomorrow as well. Montana State and North Dakota State at noon on ESPN 2. Capitals Wild tomorrow night at 8 on NBC Sports Washington. On Sunday, of course, Steelers-Ravens at 1 on CBS. The late game on CBS, for some reason locally, is Jets-Bills. I, I Yikes. Don't, I don't know why. I, don't, I mean, like, you get to watch Josh Allen, and that's cool because he's good, but, like, that's a ugh. 425 for that. The games on Fox on Sunday, the football team and the Giants at 1, the Seahawks and the Cardinals at 425. Of course, the Sunday night game, Chargers-Raiders at 820 on NBC. Also on Sunday, Big Ten Network for Wisconsin-Maryland at 730. We didn't. Th- this is how bad it is. We didn't even mention that Maryland played a basketball game last night. They had a lead at the half. That was neat. Um, Big Ten Network Plus for Maryland and Minnesota women on Sunday at 3, and uh, Towson hosts Northeastern at 4.30 on Flow Hoops on Sunday. Wizards Magic at 6 on NBC Sports Washington Sunday as well. Some non-sports highlights for the weekend? Um, not really a lot. Uh, no, you better get the one. I, I, I'll get you to it. You better get I, there. I, I'll get to it. Pretty uh, friggin' t- t- important. Tonight on CBS Undercover Boss returns at 8 o'clock. Right, we can skip that. Uh, oh. uh, uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, get get <laughs> to the stuff that matters. All right. Saturday, there's nothing. Uh, Sunday, I think what, what, oh, Glenn's, uh, what Glenn's talking about. SN- SNL announced their host for next weekend, and I legitimately had no idea who it was. No, really? That no happens clue. often for, with me. With me. I, I, it is, in the last year, it's gotten worse. Now, so after, after I found out, like, uh, when was uh, Regé Jean-Paul? And they were like, dude, it's the guy from Bridgerton. I'm like, okay, I get why I don't know that. Still I understand that why is. it means nothing to me because I have not watched Bridgerton. I did feel like a jerk that I didn't know the name of the actor that played Shang-Chi. And they announced him as a host. I was like, who the F is that guy? And they're like, dude, it's Shang-Chi. I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of a big who? deal. Shang-Chi? No idea. How? What do you know about? Not a lot of celebrities. You or don't movies. Know, no, not. you don't know what Shang Chi was. I mean, maybe if you tell me the movie he or no, show. No, that's not the name of the actor. Oh, okay. That's the movie. No, I know. So, oh yeah, that's that's actually what the movie's called. Yeah, I have no idea. Who is this guy? Uh, guy I haven't seen it, but at least by I know the way, it's I'm the movie. guy who does the bat around like I, every Saturday. I, I understand. I'm that guy. If you haven't seen it, that's weird because it's a I Marvel. I don't even know what Marvel that is. movie. But oh, that's okay. That's exactly why I haven't seen it. Not a not a Marvel guy. What? No. We've met not only the one guy on the planet that likes <laughs> Michael, <laughs> Michael K and Alex K. Rodriguez, the one guy on the planet who's not up on Marvel. Yeah. Uh, when like they announced him, I was like, oh, okay, now I feel like a jerk because Shang-Chi's quite a mm. big deal. But then there was another one a couple weeks after that that I was like, I don't know who this person is either. And I'm trying to – it's like Ariana DeRosa or something like that is the name of the host next week. And I'm like, I, I've never heard of no this. Idea. No idea who that is. No idea. Uh, go ahead. Um <laughs> Getting back to it, Sunday night Paramount, on Paramount Plus, 1883, episode four, 
uh, airs after not airing one and not telling me they weren't airing one last week. I was jerks. I was pretty upset. Those but jerks. What Glenn's looking for on HBO, obviously the season two premiere of Euphoria. F at, yes <laughs> at nine o'clock. No, it's not. But the Righteous Gemstone That's season two one. premiere at ten o'clock on HBO tomorrow night. Yeah, hey, De- Dexter New Blood no, Sunday tomorrow. Night, tomorrow. Is, is I mean, Sunday, Sunday night? Sunday it's eighteen eighty three. The one with Sam Elliott, yes. right? Yeah, it's so good. Okay. It's like Tombstone okay. as a television show. It's awesome. By the okay, way, uh, Simu Liu is the name of the actor that played Shang Chi. Mm. Jonathan Majors was who I was trying to think of. Was the one that like they an- Lee Majors? No, Jonathan Majors. <laughs> they announced as a host of SNL, and I was like, oh, I don't know who. They-. And when I said that out loud, I got murdered for it mm. because he is a uh, he's from Lovecraft Country, and he had a small role in Loki. And I was just like, okay, I didn't know this was somebody that was hosting SNL. Like I just I'm being as honest as I can about this. I this was not a person I was familiar with, um, but apparently I should have been. And the one for next week is Ariana Debose is the host of Saturday Night Live next week, and she apparently was nominated for a Golden Globe for West Side Story. Oh, I've heard of that. That's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a big one. I I mean, I believe it. They they remade it, apparently. I have not. Snapping and jumping. Yeah. Maybe she was in Hamilton, but maybe it was just the, the, the... Who could say? She... It might not have been like when it was on Broadway. It might have been she's in the off-Broadway mm. Hamilton. I don't know, man. It means nothing to me. It means she was in the Disney Plus version of Hamilton, but just in the ensemble. It's quite the rise to go from that to being nominated. I guess the Golden Globes, are, I don't even know if they matter anymore. They're not even on television. Um, but, yeah, that's the host of SNL. And they announced it yesterday, and I was like, who is this person? Like, well, hopefully she's I, good. I didn't know if it said more about me or said more about them. Like, if they had gone, like, it, they just... We're not getting stars to host SNL anymore. We should have Tom Hanks for like the seventh I'm time. In I mean, you know, favor of that. Yeah, in favor of. It. All right, what's coming up on the bat around tomorrow? Uh, so we have John Mioli. He uh, just uh, Max S- Exodus from uh, Mass yeah. Exodus from the Baltimore Sun. John Mioli, one of the people leaving to do his own thing. Uh, so he's going to join us tomorrow to talk about that move, and he's still going to be covering the Orioles. So he's going to talk about that also. Plus, Stan the fan Charles and Zach and I are going to give our top ten moments of the 2021 season. All right, very good. That's tomorrow morning on the bat around 10 to noon. Uh, Zach, I don't, I, I'm, I'm nervous about doing this. People can follow you on Twitter, right? Yeah, I actually changed the handle. Oh, good. I actually changed What's it. What's your it's handle? Now, so I, I went, I started with Z Goodman, right? And uh-huh. I figured that maybe one of them will be available. The first one that was available, the first number available yeah. was 20. So I went 20. That's okay. the new handle. Z Goodman 20. Yeah, so you can, find, you can find me there. No longer Orioles fan. No. He's, well, he's, the, he's the 20th best Zach Goodman. And I'm the 20th best, he's apparently. He's the 20th yeah. best First, first number available there. All right. So there you go. Thank you for your hard work. It's your age. It is also my age. Yeah, not for much longer, but it's also my age. Yeah, I was going to say, are you going to change it every year after no, that? No, that, that, definitely not. That, that wasn't the goal of the thing. I just went to the first number that was available. I mean, you would think Z Goodman, like, nine, would be available, but apparently not. So, I don't know. Thanks today to um, uh, to Ian Eagle. Thanks to Charlie Batch. Thanks to Senator Justin Reedy. We'll get all that up in the greatest hit section of the archives tab at, at glennclarkradio.com. What am I? What is happening to me? Jesus. Uh, that's where we'll put that. Jeremy Connell join us on Monday. Uh, Evan Washburn is going to join us on Monday as well, correct? Yes. Okay. Ten forty. Stuff and things. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Exxon Mobil, Mobile One, Full Synthetic Motor Oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Loop Service Center. Ask for Mobile One. Great Eights Memorabilia, Live Casino Hotel, Underdog Fantasy Football, Duffy's Garage in Baldwin, Window Depot, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, and MyBookie. Thanks to Paul. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great weekend. Go Ravens. Go local hoops teams. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks too.